All right, friends, welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and listing agent. By the way, some official news. I'll say it on the podcast first. I said it in the meeting last time. I'm officially on my own. I'm no longer with the Delia Group, and I am Renegade Realty Group. So my new email address is jeremy at renegaderealtygroup.com. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group. We meet monthly at Shields and Southfield. This group's about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. I just went to one last week. I'll leave it unnamed. And I fucking died on the inside for the first half, all right? No sales from the front. No smell of stale coffee, bin gay, and or disappointment. You know exactly what I'm talking about when you walk in that dark, dingy, fucking sorry-ass room, right? RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your entertainment and, hopefully, education. If you enjoy this podcast, hook a brother up. There's one thing you could do for me that would be awesome. Go on iTunes. Yes, it has to be iTunes, but you can do it anywhere, but preferably iTunes. Rate and review. So that helps a lot. And if you're listening to this for the first time and you want to attend any of the local meetings, you go to renegadedetroit.com. All the information's there. Go meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. It's the first Tuesday of every month except for July, but all the information is there. You go check everything else out. Also on RenegadeDetroit.com is every podcast. It's all searchable, so whatever you're looking for, it is there. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. All right, legal disclaimer, no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals and grow up. Be an adult, don't sue me. All right, time for the Renegade Detroit Investors Show Quote of the Week, where I pick a quote that sets a tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And Tomes picked this one. The price of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. Henry David Thoreau. The price of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. Let me introduce you to my guest, Mark Tomes. He's a husband and a father of six, flipper, buy and hold investor. He's also wholesaled a few deals. By day, he's a buyer in an electronics company. By night, he fixes, flips, and rents real estate with his family. He sold his most energetic years for dollars per hour and started a real estate business as a way to teach his children about entrepreneurship, self-reliance, financial responsibility, and making a bit of coin for himself as well. His best return on investment has been the networking, making friends and money at the same time, which is really fun. His family also, which is the most awesome thing in the world, and I got to play a smidgen small part in, purchased a horse farm in September of 2018. And it was a huge lifetime achievement goal they've been working towards for a long time, which is pretty awesome. His future goals include more North Oakland County flips, getting into self-storage, and retiring while he still has a bit of time left to travel. If you're interested in Mark, you can go check out his horse farm on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Big Lake Farm EQ, Big Lake Farm EQ, and this is going to be in the show notes as well. You can also send him an email, tomes, T-O-M-E-S, propertygroup at gmail.com, 248-686-6837. Tomes is also my best friend. Tomes, what's happening, man? What's happening? No Diana. I'm getting it right off the bat. She's not getting any slack. No, she shouldn't. 
right off the bat. I do want to say I actually really try hard to get women on this fucking podcast. And either they all hate my guts, which I don't think is true. That's not the case. At least not with Diana. Right. Right. I'm pretty sure that's not the case. But it is challenging. A lot of guys say no, though, too, in defense, right? I think it's intimidating yeah, for people yeah. to get on and they don't know what they're going to talk about. But you guys are such a cool couple and some of my best friends in life. I thought, and you guys work so well together, it would have been awesome to have her on. We're not going to give up. We're going to. Yeah, this will happen. Another time. I'm trying to teach, you know, you need to sell yourself a little bit. She's, cause she is, she's awesome and she works her ass off. And, you know, five kids at home. Real work, too. Real work. A horse farm. What I do is it's air quote work, right? (laughs) I'm in a car. Yeah. I'm on my cell phone. I'm on my laptop. But, like, when you have a horse farm, that's legitimate. You're really working. Right. And How many horses do you guys have out there now? Uh, We have, right now, we have, I believe we have 26. That's amazing. Uh, That's a combination of... Uh, boarding horses that people that pay us to keep their horses there. Uh, she's working with the BLM right now as a tip trainer to get some of those horses adopted. So we've got three of those on site. And then uh, a couple training horses that she's got in and, and our horses. Yeah, which so. is just awesome. It's cool. And go out there. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. So I love it. And, you know, we should mention how, you know, what your role was in this was selling our primary home for Quite a bit more money than I thought we were going to get when we when we started looking at comps. I thought, you know, I had a number in mind, and I think we went about forty k above that. So that's you know, little plug for Jeremy, motherfucker. We got it, man. We had to do. I had to gut that guy alive to get (laughs) to get that that thing to close. That was brutal. That was was funny. I won't say who it was or what what company it was, but I think I called and I I told the um, owner who had the same name as this particular uh, loan officer, that this loan officer was ruining his name forever. And and then all of a sudden, magically, we literally closed. I think it was six days later. It was very fast. I was waiting, pissed. because After waiting like two months or whatever it was. Two and, and a then, half months, dude. And then Yeah, days. immediately almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And, of course, it was when I had I already left early to go up for the uh, Savage, Renegade Detroit Investor Savage Getaway. So then it was like one of the few closings I actually missed. So I hear just got even more. But yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, it was hardcore. The That's negotiation was hard. Yeah, yeah. I negotiated I, hard. I don't know. I didn't have to do that part. Yeah. But it was it was easy. I just sat back and waited for the money. It was hard, but it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. I left a lot of a lot of guts on the floor. So let's let's go back to the beginning, Tom. Right, because I met you late in life. Right. And I met you at RDI, and I think the first time I met you was in. I'm going to guess the year, 2014, 15? 15. Damn it. I missed it by a year. When Renegade Detroit Investors was in a now unnamed coffee shop in Detroit. Fuck you, sir. That would hold about 30 people. And we'd squeeze 50 in. we'd squeeze 50 in. (laughs) (laughs) Like a tin can. We'd all stand up like this. It was real sweaty. Yell at each other across the room. Yeah. So I haven't known him that long, but since I know him, I feel like I've known him forever as right. well. So it's going to be fun for me. Mother. That's right. So he's also one of the few uh, anarchists slash libertarians out there. It's like me, him, and Steve Strait. Right. That's it. <laughs> Nobody else. 
Yeah, we're, we're there might be a few more, but they haven't far between. They haven't advertised themselves. Right. Is uh, completely against it's everything. It's a terrible thing to advertise because <laughs> nobody agrees. Everybody hates your guts. Right. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of that meme when Republicans think you're with them and find out you want to legalize all the drugs. Yeah. When the liberals think you're with them and you want to cut back all the debt. No, yeah, nobody likes you. Nobody likes. Nobody you. likes you. But so let's go back to the beginning, right? Because. Right. Um, I mean, you didn't have the hardest life, but you didn't exactly have the easiest life. Um, similar, right? Made some interesting decisions, but but let's start young. Yeah, I was uh, I was the son of a of a navy of a navy. Uh, he was a seaman. My father was a seaman. Um, so I was born in Great Lakes, Illinois. I think just like you were. You know what we call that? No. Great mistakes, Great. Illinois. <laughs> Yep. Great Lakes, Illinois. Then six weeks after I was born, six weeks later, we moved down to Key West, which unfortunately I don't remember any of. Sure do wish I did. But it was great. Um, I hear it's awesome down there. Uh, we did that, Norfolk, Virginia, and then my dad was done after his four years, and we moved back to Michigan and uh, you know had a l- built a little life or whatever. Um, I... Remember the house we the first house they bought was a I don't know, maybe six hundred square foot one bedroom. Uh, my dad converted it at a second bedroom for my sister and I to share and bunk beds. Um, so yeah, I mean it was it wasn't. I always remember being middle class ish, but I I think that was probably a facade. My dad worked hard and we didn't have a lot for a while. Yeah, for a long time, for, right? Yeah, oh yeah, it was. Pro- I mean. Probably in my teens where he started doing well. And by that time, my parents were divorced. So didn't really. And I was, I mean, for all intents and purposes, you know, after 14, 15, I was kind of, I was working. I had my own money. I didn't, their situation or whatever didn't really concern me as much as it did when I was younger. But did you move out young too or early or how old were you moved out? We, I didn't really move out early. I was 18. Um, I did, I had a, I had a kid at 17, um, and my mom and stepdad decided that they were going to move up north. I was invited to come with them, but I had no, I mean, everything I did was down here. I had my job, my child, her mom. So they moved out, and I was like, "Uh, okay, I guess I'm staying here. So lived in my girlfriend's parents' basement for a year. and Yeah. Oh, man. Thankfully, it was a tri-level, so I didn't have the dank, nasty basement, but... You know, sleeping on their floor on a mattress for a year. Well, hopefully, maybe she wasn't as crazy as my in-laws. That was, uh, nope, that way, the face, the face, the, you can't hear the face on the podcast, but the face just told me no. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that they were crazy, but, you know, I mean, a 17-year-old kid and, and his, or, you know, 18-year-old and his 17-year-old baby mama, you know, probably doesn't bring the best out of somebody. So, no, they've been fine after, but, you know. And they were gracious enough to open their home, but dude, yeah. that's hilarious. You're, I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, if that was my 17 year old daughter oh, and yeah. her 18 year old, I'd be dead. Quote unquote loser boyfriend yeah. living in the basement. Yeah. I'd be reassessing oh, my yeah. life too. Oh yeah, where'd I go wrong with this kid? Right. <laughs> right. Now he's living in my basement. <laughs> Come on, get a hold of yourself. Yeah, we'll cut him some slack. Yeah, tough for everybody, right? right. Tough situation right. for tough all situation. involved. So, so you end up stuck in a basement for a year. Yeah, which, you know, wasn't Working, horrible. saving, what were I you? Was, uh, 
let's see. I was 18. I was a, I was a short order cook at Big Boy. Ooh. Um, I did some volunteer work for a, a, like a teenage rehab type outpatient program. So that sounds fun. It was, it was not fun. Challenging. It was, not fun. It was a character builder. For sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I had, I actually dropped out of high school my junior year, uh, Work two jobs through the summer to try to get, you know, save some money and do that, you know, because when you have a kid, you're supposed to provide a home. And, you know, I always felt like I should, but here we are living in the basement of our parents' house. So two jobs. I was a sandwich artist by day. Sandwich artist. And a, and a, a short order cook by night. I ate well that summer. Uh, actually went back to school after that, decided to get my, my diploma and graduated, but... Um, yeah, mostly, you know, working, having fun, trying to really trying to still have fun and, and be active, both of us, while we had a kid at 17 and 18 or, you know, 16, 17 and 18, those years, and uh, gave up quite a bit of adult, uh, of childhood years, you know, because from the age of 19, I ended up having my own place. Her mother and I didn't, didn't really make it, you know, um, so had an apartment in the village in Wixom, totally awesome i loved it um yeah i mean that that was kind of what i did moved from there to a trailer park and i had my own trailer at 21 see that's where that's why we're brothers the trailer park it could be well i think when we lived in key west we were in a trailer too if i recall the stories well so yeah kind of just you know from the trailer park to where i'm now i'm I'm pretty excited about it (laughs) i'll accept it trailer park to an enormous horse farm yeah, right why i mean i remember as a kid because i was in a trailer from zero to a little over five years old and i still remember it and i remember fucking hating it i was in a really shitty trailer park though i remember hating it what how bad was yours a nice one good one or do you have any memories about it or were you just happy to be out of the fucking basement of somebody's oh, I was house happy yeah. to be out of the basement. it was my own thing you know yeah. i actually Pretty much everybody in my family was like, don't, don't do it. There's no value. You're going to lose your ass. My dad had said, you know, I'll, I'll do what I can to help you get a house. But at that time, that was 90, 1998, you know, things were just skyrocketing where I didn't think I could afford it. You know, like I'll, I'll, I couldn't afford a $70,000 house. I thought there's no way it's not going to happen. So went the trailer route and it, it wasn't terrible. I was a 21-year-old, I, you know, wiling out, you know, drinking parties, you know, being a dad, but not the best dad. So it was the perfect environment for me. I mean, sad to say. That's yeah, I can't I even imagine having uh, – I was a wreck at 19, let alone having a kid. I was still yeah. doing all the bad things. <laughs> I was doing the bad things when I could. Yeah, when I could, but mostly, you know, most of the bad things I did ended up hap- happening because I was kind of didn't have a lot of ability to go out and you know live those teenage years. Not that I'm blaming that, but you know, so I was I would sit at home and I would drink and I would just that trailer park life, I guess. You know, tra- um, there's a lot of drinking in trailer park life, right? Yeah, right. And there was until you know, pretty about a year before I moved out, I was I was done. I just thought this isn't this isn't going well. You know, what do I hope to achieve like this? And it was nothing. The answer was nothing. So, 
Was it a particular moment? Because I remember my moment. I was walking from the barracks. I was getting ready to walk to the belt. And I was walking down the hallway, and I had a moment of clarity. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? Was it like that, or was it like a progression of things? Or how did that – how did you come to that decision? I think it was a – it was a like a progress of little moments that I knew. Like I knew for a few years, like, Shh, I'm not getting anything done. I'm not doing anything – um, so I knew I like a couple times a week, I'd be like, you know, I should probably not do this. And I'd quit for a week or two and I'd be like, Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> it's been start, two weeks. What's the fucking problem? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, two weeks later, like, Oh man, this crushing is, this like a stupid. champ. <laughs> right. Right. Uh. So, uh, and you know, it was, it was really an isolation in that it, I was, even though there were people in my life, it was a spot where I was alone. I was a 21, 22 year old dad. Like I didn't know any other 22 year old dads. I didn't know any 22 year old women who wanted to be. That's a mom, true. You know? Yeah. That's rough. So, you know, it was, it was an odd, odd life of trying to keep friends and do things and, you know, just not being able to do all the things all the time, which I mean, it's fine. My daughter Wyland's awesome. I mean, it happens. Wouldn't, right? wouldn't give up for anything, you know? Um, but yeah, I was a single dad. Her mom was less involved than I was. So I was kind of the, I was the guy who was there during the week and cooked food and got her up and made sure she got to school. And, and, uh, yeah, it was a lot of work, mm, man. Yeah. That sounds fun. A lot of reward though. When did you meet the lovely Diana though? Cause I'm feeling that's kind of when life started to turn around for you. Am I right well, about that? I have known Diana. I think I was 16 and she was 15 when we first met. And I still tell her to this date, I saw her and I was like, woo, I was in love. Um, yeah, she's, I uh, didn't necessarily know it. And she's easy on the eyes beyond being a great person too. I, right. Yeah. Right. So we met at, I think she was 16 and I was 17. Um, we actually, we dated for a while when I was in the apartment when I was 19 and she was in college, she was in school. So we had a, she was in East Lansing and I was in Wixom. So had a lot of driving back and forth and, you know, dated for three or four months. And then, you know, she had stuff to do too. You know, she was in college, not quite ready for the life that I was ready, that I thought I was ready for, that I clearly was unready for. Well, is anybody really ready for it though? Right. But you're certainly not ready at 19. Right. I'm, not, I'm not. not saying anybody is, and but or is, but probably not, right? Right. So That's a had, lot. Teeny, I, I didn't write into being an adult, right? No college, right, right. to work. Yeah. Where all your other friends are having fun. Yeah. And then trying to date a beautiful woman, going to college. Right. Yeah. That's right. that's that's a lot to juggle. So, oh yeah, it was. It was Baby, fun. I swear I'm going somewhere. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm going all the places, honey. <laughs> Take you right to the top. Well, strangely, I think she just had, she had a lot of life to live, and you know, after that, she was like, you know, Mark wasn't such a bad guy. Um, I actually got back in touch with her in 2002, I think, uh, just sitting on the couch one of those nights, drinking, remembering old phone numbers. Ooh. I don't think I was drinking it. I, I might have been. I don't know. Either way. It's a better story if you were. I do Swipe remember, left. Swipe left. I do left. remember the phone number of you know her parents from years ago when we knew each other. So I called her. She was there. And. We rekindled. We hung out the next day uh, and started dating, like I want to say 
was Memorial Day weekend of 2002. What did you say? What was the amazing – how do you turn someone after four years of – I'm just throwing that out there. That's a good close. Did you, did you any, what, I what must was have it? lied. I must have lied. <laughs> I, I mean, lied. I still – The best relationships her, are built on lies, right? I look at her today and I'm like, man, you fucked up. I embarrass my <laughs> wife by saying every time I see her naked, I wonder what the hell I'm doing here. Like, <laughs> How did I get here? How am I even, don't question it. Just go right, with it. Just go with it. Yeah. So, um, I, you know what? I don't know. We were, we were good friends for a while, like between the time we dated and the time we didn't, you know, she was going through life and we talked a lot and we, you know, not a lot. We talked every once in a while. Um, and so you did keep in touch. Keep it wasn't completely touch. called. Right. I, mean, right. I thought you had some like serious sales. You got to change your career, man. It, no, I'm, the worst salesman. <laughs> the wor- I'm, a, I'm the slow, quiet salesman. Just not necessarily wear you down, but I think I know what's best, and I'll just wait for you to figure it out. Just wait for you. That's what happened. That's what I did. <laughs> Baby, just took her four years to realize it. Right. Come back over, honey. Yeah. So yeah, she's amazing. Uh and since we've been together, you know, it, it really having somebody in your life to work for. Having you know, we had kids together. We have we have four kids together, two kids apart, but you know, building that life and having a family, it was a great motivator. Um, you know, we, soon after we got married, we had three kids in our, that were with us when we were living in the trailer. So it just it wasn't big enough. So we started working and saving and she's, you know, great with, with finances to, you know, to just, I'll give her all my money. She'll put it where it needs to go. And at the end of some amount of time, there's a chunk there and we're like, let's buy a house. So yeah, we bought our first house in 2006. That was your first house? That was my first house. Holy shit, Tomes. It's uh it was a yeah, we bought at the wrong time. Always. Right before the market crashed. So when was, uh, you beat it by a year. We beat it by a year, but a year later, 2 years later it was worth I don't I don't think we went down to half, but whatever it went down to was scary. Where was, was like, your first home? Was it Waterford? White, White Lake. Lake? White Lake. White that's Lake, right. Yeah. White Lake. It was actually my first rental also because when we went to sell it in 2012, the market hadn't quite recovered yet, so we couldn't get what we owed on it. So we held it as a rental. Do you still have that one? We still have that one. See, that's awesome. So you yeah. still have your first house as a rental. Still have my first house as a rental. There's a couple things in here I've noticed. I know more people who bought at the wrong time but held out the whole time who have a shit ton of money now who did a fraction of the number of transactions I did. Just goes to show you that no matter what kind of mistake you make, time, just give it some time, right? Be patient with it, and you're still making money on it as a rental, and it's still there, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we just started making money on it, to be honest, because uh, the first tenants were terrible. We were terrible <laughs> landlords. Uh, they did a lot of damage to the house. Uh, contrary to popular popular belief, potbelly pigs are not good indoor pets. A shocker right there, Tom's that. Every mistake we could have made, we made, and we paid the price when they moved out. We had to, you know, put eight grand worth of oh man paint and redoing the floors, and you know, just cleaning out all their Mountain Dew bottles. <laughs> How many do they have? Oh my! We filled. I think we got a twenty-yard dumpster of just. They're like, oh, we're just going to leave some stuff, and it was a twenty-yard dumpster of like Mountain Dew bottles, laundry. I, it was nasty, man, and it was nasty. Mountain Dew. I had that 
for the first time in years, like three or four weeks ago. It's not that good. I don't know what I liked about it. I, I drank a shit ton of it in the Navy. I, I was like two liters a day staying awake, moon, right? Yeah. And I tried, I was like, oh my God, I like this. It's like, I don't know, you ever drink uh, grape Welsh's as a kid? And you're like, it's delicious. You try it as an adult. You're like, what the hell was I thinking? I had that right. same experience with Mountain Dew. Yeah. Can't believe how much of it I drank. Okay. I bet there's a lot of weed smoked in that house, too. I'm just throwing it out there. Oh, that, I don't know. But <laughs> that much Mountain Dew, I'm guaranteeing there was a PlayStation involved and probably a fair amount of weed. I hope that was it because we didn't screen very well. It was the first people who contacted us. Uh, she had a cash job. Um. Which but later later we job. found out she was a prostitute. There you go. So I have no problem with working girls. Did she pay her bills though? Mm, yeah, that's what I don't a like. Lot 20s, a lot of twenties. <laughs> a lot of twenties. A lot of twenties. That's a hell of a way to pay rent. It, yeah, it was just weird. The whole thing was weird. The whole. I, I wonder what the pot pelly pig angle was. I think there was an angle. There was an angle. I suspect yeah. there was. Well, you know. The rent's due on the first, Tomes. That's right. That's right. We made it through. And that was after, I think, they lived there for two years. So in 2014, we got a new set of tenants. And they've actually been there ever since. Um, After they were there for a year, we were fairly comfortable. And, you know, we should try this again. Let's do it intentionally. Um, Diana, some of her her scars healed up from that because she was the manager. She was the one who got the texts, and Oof. she was yeah. She doesn't she doesn't take shit so, but she had to thwart off a lot of texts the day before rent was due. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't cross Diana. No, it's one of those so. silent. I'll destroy you in your sleep types. You know, like, like she survives. I think she survives. She loves the she loves adversity. She loves knowing that somebody thinks she can't do something. I don't. It doesn't really tie into this, but. I get sometimes it. A little get chip her on her shoulder. Stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes I try to say like, "Yeah, you're probably right." You can't do it. <laughs> Which I will say, I, haven't, I even tried on the podcast. You did. I saw that one. Yeah, I guess you're probably right. You can't do it because you're a girl. <laughs> maybe next time. You next know, time. next time. If It'll... I survive, maybe I'll take the brunt. Show her that it's safe. Then you can do it. Maybe. 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 She could probably do it. I eh, that is pretty hard. I don't know. We'll I'm see. A, I'm, it's a little hard for me, so I don't know if she can do it. What's her email address? Maybe everybody emailed oh her. Never mind. No, I'm no. just kidding. We could throw out her phone number, and she would probably literally kill me in my sleep. All right, let's not do that because I still want to come over for burgers on Sunday. <laughs> we'll do that after Sunday. <laughs> I'll edit it and we'll put it in backwards and play it. So, yeah, yeah. or maybe I just won't release this until afterwards. There we go. Hey, Dinah, it was nice knowing you. Why did he give me such a long hug on the way out? <laughs> I don't think I'll be seeing you for a while. So she acted as like the landlord for you. Yeah. What was yeah. your day job then, too? Uh, my day job at that point, let's see. By the time we moved out, I was a production manager for the same electronic company. Okay, so now. same place. Same right? place. Yeah, I've actually started working there when I was 19. Um, have been in and out a few times, you know, quit to leave to, to go find greener grass. I was elect- an electrician for a while. Um, I took a layoff once and I was just like, no, I'm not taking any cuts, not taking any pay cuts. Bring me back when I, when you can pay me what I'm worth and held out. It worked. Ooh. It worked. All right. How long did you have to hold out for that? I think I was off 
like four months. Just long enough. I, it was right after we moved in the house. Had a bunch of work to do. Diana was pregnant with our with our fourth child, Micah. And I just thought, no, I, I'm just... I felt like I was sold a false bill of goods. Like, yeah, how are you going to take money away from me now? I don't know. I kind of felt entitled at the time, too. Like, I went through a lot of... A lot of searching, like, what do they owe me working there? I mean, That's a good question. What did they job, owe you, right? right? Not shit. But at the same time, I felt like, what do I owe them? Let's just see where this see where this goes. You must have had some sort of instinct for weakness because – or maybe you could just got lucky, right? Or did you remember feeling like, well, I don't know, man. This is kind of hard to hold it together. I've I've always been decent at negotiating for myself as far as my job was concerned, Um Knowing my strengths, and I had I have quite a few in this position in this company. I I know the product. I know what we do. Um, so I've always been good at making sure everybody knows that I know my worth. Understand <laughs> your value, right? right? So four months later, they come back begging, or I actually I just I went back. Um, not not begging. They just they needed some help. I actually did some uh, some consultation work for them while I was gone. Um, did some, you know, came back when they had hot projects that they needed somebody on. Um, so they pretty, pretty much undermined their entire negotiating position by having right. you back. Yeah. By knowing. Right. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I knew the family fairly well. I, I just knew that I was going to hold out for what I wanted and it didn't necessarily come right when I came back. Actually at that point I was, I was a electrical drawer at that point with doing some inside sales and, uh, and still working in the shop. So actually it wasn't until I came back in 2007 that I started as a production manager. What does a production manager do? What the hell? You make signs? What do you guys make? We make on We make signs for the automotive factories. So ah, they, okay. they go up and tell people what to do. Kind of <laughs> visual information systems. Um, yeah. For, for the most part, that's, that's what we do. A production manager basically sits between two layers of bullshit. You got the people under you that are constantly, you know, pissed and want more, and then the people above you that are constantly pissed and want to give less. So just basically a conduit, a filter between the two, you know. Your sandwich in between. Sandwich in between, you know, trying to get less people to do more work and for less money sometimes. But. One of my big contributions to the people that worked for me is always trying to be honest, knowing where they had, knowing where they were, knowing where they were coming from, uh, having done the same job before. Um, so I feel like I was I was easily able to do the job. I was pretty comfortable with the people above me, um, you know, and was able to say, look, you know, they want more, they deserve more, you know, and when they needed less, I'd be like, dude, you're, you know, you're nuts. You're not going to get it because you don't provide that kind of value. So, yeah, a middleman. Middle management. But middle management rough. bought you your first house, right? Middle management bought me my first house, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So 2006, you buy your first house. More than 500 square feet? You get 1575. Oof, man, right. living the good life. On 2.73 acres. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that was the good life. That was. Coming from we. Holy cow. When we would look at Zillow, map, or I can't remember what we would look at at the time, maybe Realtor.com, and I'd pull up the little the little area map of what where our trailer was, 
and I would like overlay that on the new lot. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my, our god. yard's like thirty times bigger than it was. You could fit, you could fit two of those trailers in our house. And it was three kids and you and Diana, right? At that time, yeah. At that point, all right. So now you're all piled in a fifteen hundred square foot right. house. Saved, so you had to save up money for a long time. Yeah, buy it on a, like regular traditional loan, right? You went and got a mortgage. Yeah, we actually. I don't know what we how we ended up doing this, but it was a non FHA loan that we paid something ridiculous. I want to say less than five percent down, and I. I, I you don't know what kind of loan it was, but I, I didn't know anything at the time. I was like, I can make that payment, and I have that much money. Let's do this. But it was less. It was probably five percent down. There was no uh, private mortgage insurance on it. I mean, it was FHA. Haven't even thought about this for. Well, if there wasn't private mortgage years. insurance, it wasn't FHA. I can't remember what it was. We bought in two thousand six. So yeah, there wouldn't. No. They had. Yeah, that was when. Doesn't I don't know matter. How we did it, but we got in just barely. Point being, most people buy their 1,500-square-foot house, they're done, right? I made it. I'm out of the trailer park. Right. I got this great middle management job. And that's how it seemed for a long time. Okay, that's what I wanted to talk about, that's right? That's how it seemed for a while. So how long was like this like tranquil, we made it, we're here, did you have to fix up the house? We did. Yeah, like uh, When we bought it, it was a rental. It was a duplex before we actually had to do a quite a bit of work to it before we even closed on it. Uh, it was set up as a as an up down duplex, and one of the contingencies of my loan is that they weren't gonna they weren't gonna lend on a non conforming property, so it had to be converted back to single family. So we had to remove the kitchen and the upstairs and make it a bedroom. So. Before we closed. So, we so did you did that. this under contract. Under you made contract. repairs under contract. Right. That's a ballsy move. I didn't even know. I was like, fuck it. I'm doing whatever we have to do. Whatever it takes. Because this was our play. I I didn't think I was going to get two and a half, you know, two and a half acres and a 1,500 square foot house. The house was decent. But yeah, we made it work. Uh, then we got in and it was actually the guy that lived in the bottom portion of the house's probably there for 25 years smoked like a chimney Ugh. so everything was you could see like drips of tar and nicotine on the walls so we had to come in we had to repaint the whole thing uh pulled out the carpeting redid the hardwood floors and then it was it was palatable then we could do things as we needed when we had extra money but yeah well at some point you're like, maybe I shouldn't just do this middle management job, right? Yeah. I, How did that look? Or was Diane like horse farm, horse farm, horse farm, even no, back then? Or? She didn't want anything to do with horses. She grew up with horses and through college ended up falling out of falling out of anything to do with horses. Wow. Um, See, I wish she was here. That's amazing to me. Dude, she's got a great story, and I can't even tell it. No, don't do it. I don't just, ruin it. Right. But I'm just going to keep reminding everybody how awesome it would be if she would be here. Right. Just, uh, if she could do it. If she could do it. Yeah, maybe it she could. Possible. <laughs> so, anyhow, we did end up with a horse on this property. Uh, her, any, I can't tell the whole story. Yeah, don't. I know a little bit of this her one. Her childhood yeah. horse. Anyways. So we, we had a horse there, and it was my dream. I've always wanted property. I've always wanted it. I, I mean, 
from the time I started looking at houses when I was 18 or 19. Like, I just want property. I want to be kind of out on, you know, in the area where there aren't that many people. I just want some space to move around. I, I didn't even have any, I wasn't a hunter. I didn't really do a whole lot outdoors. I just needed space, like to breathe. Um, so 2012, probably starting 2011, my job took a pretty big upswing. We took a lot of work on, um, started shipping a lot more than we were used to. And the owner kind of remembered, you know, remembered who made it through the tough times. And, um, we got to a point where we thought, you know, we could afford more if we want to move up, we could, we could start looking. So we started looking for places, um, kind of, you know, still within a half hour to 40 minute radius of, of work, you know, somewhere where we could get five or 10 acres. So we, that was when we found Wildberry. Um, Which I loved. Oh, I loved it too. Man, I still what a quiet it. place. And no, don't get me wrong. Your horse farm is badass, but like that coming up the hill and then like, yeah, it was very beautiful. The so quiet out there. Awesome. Yeah, those the were great. Were yeah. awesome. <laughs> drone shots were definitely worth it. You get so, to see all the land. We, uh, yeah, we decided we were going to try to buy this house. It was out of the price range that I thought was even going to be possible. Kind of like when we bought the first house, I thought, oh, I can't afford that. Well, we kind of built ourselves, you know, kept our debt in check, uh, had great credit. And we saw this place and we're like, oh, man. Like, I couldn't even say the number out loud at that point. I mean, and it was only, <laughs> it was like 230 grand. And I was like, I just, Oh, let's make an offer. Let's just do it. Diana's like, I love it. And I, I just thought, what's the least, you know, how, how low of an offer can we make before it becomes offensive? And then let's just make that offer. I kind of hoped she didn't take it. Honestly, I, it was a big step for me and we got it and then couldn't sell our other house. So now we've got two houses. Like what the hell do we do? So we put an ad on Craigslist, hence the answering the first email we got and placing what we now affectionately call the pig fuckers. <laughs> Working ladies and her pot belly pig. Right. Yeah. $8,000 in damage, too. What did you collect in rent per year? 6000 7000 8000 We were getting... 10 maybe. I want to say we were getting eleven to 1200 a month. All right, so a little bit more. So basically almost a third of the money gone when you had to go back and fix right. all the shit we up. We were just... I mean, we were basically just covering our debt. If we made... 50 bucks a month, I'd be amazed, especially if we had to come in and do a repair, which we we had to do a few. So it was two years of just kind of floating. You know, we, we don't have to pay anything for it, but we don't lose anything for it. And my thought on it was, if I were putting money into our t retirement account, say we were putting 100 or 200 bucks a month into our retirement account, at the end of 30 years, how much are we going to end up with? I, in this instance... We're going to get the appreciation. It's going to go up. We started to see values. We're going up again. So I, I looked at it like that. Like if, even if I have to put a little bit of money in at the end, it's going to have some value. So we held it. We did try to sell it in 2014 again. Just couldn't get anybody in there to buy it. So. Yeah, it was still really early in 2014. And the house is the house was built in 1940s. It's not what everybody's looking for. You know, it's got charm. It's got Nice wood floors, 
plaster. Wait, how many bedrooms does this have? More than two? Five. All right, never mind. So it wasn't a weird two-bedroom? Well, it was, it was a five-bedroom, but two of the rooms were like, you know, you could fit a bed and a dresser. And then the other three were upstairs. They were a little bit bigger, but the steps to get up were steep. And, you know, nobody liked the detached garage that didn't have a, you know, a driveway into it. It was an odd place, and it's still it's still odd. And you did all the work yourself on this one, 2006, so five years go by. So it basically took you five years to buy your second one, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, then you couldn't even sell your first one, so you had to hold on to it. Like, how Was Diana on board, or did you have to sell her on it? Were you both like, fuck it, balls to the wall, we're just going to do it? We just said, fuck it, balls to the wall. We know, we, I mean, at that point, we knew people were making money doing it. We knew that... Being a landlord, being involved in real estate was something that we knew people did it. We knew people made money. So it was kind of had an allure to it until after the first set of tenants. Then we needed a break. But, yeah, we're on like a six-year. Buy a house, keep it. We honestly, at some point with Wildberry, we thought maybe we should keep it. You know, when we were in the middle of that deal, we're like, Dude, thought it was it was apart. beautiful by the time it got to the end too. Especially oh. after you stained that wood, I was like, it was yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, it's all nice, and now you're moving out. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's that's also our MO. Like, I had a bathroom at the White Lake house that I started in 2007, and when we went to sell it, I thought, oh shit, okay, we better finish the bathroom. <laughs> Dude, that's the hilarious. House great when we moved out. And you guys do all the work, and you get your kids involved in the work. I mean, do all the work. I mean, like, practically do all the work, right? Yeah, I'm trying to get away from that now. I'm building up to that. Gotcha. I'm building up to it. But, yeah. yeah, having the kids, I learned a lot of what I do. Not necess- I mean, my dad was the same way. My dad could do anything. Um, he was an electrician by trade, but he wasn't afraid to do plumbing, electrical plaster work so i when i grew up our second house that we moved into was a fixer upper and i watched him do all the work so he kind of ingrained that i mean like anybody can do it it's there for anybody to do and with the internet and youtube now there's no need in a lot some of, of us aren't as handy as the tomes in the I world s- I, I, I'll I'll say. I try yeah. to understand that but i don't get it i'm pretty handy i not trying to toot my own horn, but no, you are fucking handy. I, yeah, you handy. and your wife, and actually, damn kids. Embarrassingly enough, are probably more handy <laughs> than me than I am. It's like pictures you post of them helping putting in the floor. I know they don't help. They help some help more than others. Yeah. yeah. Point is, they are helping. You right. know, they're doing it, which is how you learn how to do right. it. Yeah. And I learned. I got to pull nails out of trim. That was that's fine. That was what I got to do as a kid. My dad would give me a penny a nail. But I still don't know if I ever collected. You really? I think okay. He just told me I'd get a penny per get nail. Get a penny per <laughs> nail. I sanded a lot of tables in my time and polished a lot of silver, but uh, yeah, I didn't have to pull any nails out. That's uh <laughs> So you buy your first one, get out of the trailer 2006, 2011, get in the Wildberry, which is the beautiful 10 acres. Yeah. Right? You got the pole barn out there. We built the pole barn. So you built the pole we barn. Built it. Yeah, that was Dang. that was one of our okay. jokes is in the listing they had a picture of the shed and it said outbuilding. And we thought, how do you have 10 acres without a pole barn? So Diana and I kind of, our personal joke was, well, that has an outbuilding. Look at, it's the shed. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not as funny to everybody else, but we loved it. So you, did this house need work? 
I didn't this see it until did not need work. 2016, I think, is when I saw it the this first time. This house, the lady who lived there had great style. She had actually finished it at some point the way she wanted it before she sold. Uh, and it was beautiful. It had all that, you know, that beautiful brown, blue, uh, countertops, granite. I, they sparkled just right in the sun. Uh, it didn't need anything when she was there. So by the time we were done with it, with the five kids in the house, everything needs to be painted. Everything needs to be kind of straightened up. So we did a little bit of work just to make it more presentable, more marketable. Finish the basement. Uh, that was something cool that I would have liked to have when we were there too. But yeah, it was a huge value it add. Was a big, a big value add. So we did the hardwood, some of the hardwood floors too. You we pulled did. up and redid. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There was a mix up with the last guy who put the wood floor in. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't forgot, do a good enough job. Forgot to acclimate it. So in ah. the spring we'd get. Speed bumps in the dining room. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, it was bad. See, this is why I don't do any of that shit. I don't even know that could happen until like three or four years ago. You yeah. know, like I knew better. I just I was in a hurry. Got to hurry up and get it done before you know whatever event we were having, kids' birthday party. So 2011, you have one rental, one primary residence. Yep. Right. Yep. And the rental you have is not exactly going great either, right. right? It was a pain in the ass. We weren't making any money. But at some point, you decided we should do this again, and we should do more of this, right? right? I I don't. I'm gonna. This is kind of my. I'm I'm sick. I'll just. I will keep <laughs> adding things. And Diana does the same thing. We'll keep adding things until we're uncomfortable, and kind of ride that edge. She probably more so than me, but. We always add just a little bit more. Like, ah, we'll do, I can, comfortable doing one project at a time. Let's throw a second one and see what happens. Like, just test where, where we're comfortable, push it a little bit, and it's, it's worked out good. You know, it's funny. Jordan Peterson talks about that. He says, all the growth is on the edge of chaos and order. And to be as close to it as possible is when you're challenging yourself the greatest. So you kind of, did you do it on purpose or was it just kind of a natural part of your personality? I think it was a natural, yeah. So you're just looking for like, well, maybe I can do a little bit more. Right. Yeah. So, right. Ooh, that's uncomfortable. Guess I better figure that out. Yeah. Because kind of, I I notice that sometimes being comfortable gets uncomfortable if things start going. Like I, I kind of, I didn't, I noticed a trend at my job where it was cyclical. It was going to go up and down. Uh, you know, we're going to have good years. Then we're going to have shit years where there's layoffs, there's pay cuts. And like I said earlier, I, I didn't feel, you know, I was felt entitled and who are you to take this away from me? Well, I realized probably 2007, eight, nine, like, oh yeah, that's, that's my job. My job is to make sure if I want shit smooth, I got to figure out how to smooth it out. So I mean, real estate is just, it's a beautiful thing. Like more money is made in real estate than I I don't want to say anything else, but it's got a low barrier to entry and the roof is, I don't think anybody's reached it yet. No, there is no roof. And especially in America, it's amazing. It's truly the people's sport, right? Right. Like anybody between FHA, you, your first rental was your primary residence that you bought. That's why I love about that model. A lot of people do that. 
There's plenty of people who just buy, live in it, fix, improve over years, sell, buy bigger, like Dave Sullivan, who I've had on the podcast before. He, he I think he's now up to a fucking mansion doing that exact same thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it was over a lifetime, right? But amazingly enough, look at that. Um, Dave Deska did the same thing. Okay. He did multiple. His first offer was assuming um, a VA loan, and like they had to do the same thing. Reason I bring this up is I love these stories of struggle and how hard it is because no, I love social media and I love being able to post pictures of my dog, my food, my clothes deals, and then argue with shitheads in the Metro Detroit investment <laughs> group, post funny gifts and memes. Like I love all of that, but it does have a tendency to be biased towards only the good things, right? right? And I find right. myself doing it too. Like I have a strong barrier. Like I don't want to complain. Right. I don't ever want to complain. So I don't, and I don't want to be at the death on the podcast. So this shit never goes right or smooth, right? right. Ever. Oh, yeah. Ever. Ever. I can't remember one single deal where there wasn't something or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think I had one where I closed it and I never met the guy until closing. And like, but that was like one out of hundreds of something always goes wrong. Right. You couldn't sell your house. You had to keep it as a rent. Like, that's just how life goes. So, yeah. but you, you, you decided. Maybe we should buy another rental. So you started socking away some more money for these bad times. Was the rental your answer to that riddle, right? Like I need to get more passive income coming in for these downtimes. Yeah. Yeah. The passive income was exciting and it was really, it was all, it was the thing that I knew that people that got into real estate did. Like I knew some people flipped and I knew, knew you know, the other, the other section Rented. I didn't know all the things I know now about the other things people do, but so I got, I started looking really heavily in 2015. There were still some bank owned properties on the market. There were still kind of trickling out and the prices hadn't really jumped crazy yet. So I was able to find, it was actually Ellery that we just sold. Oh, okay. Found that one, I made an offer, they countered. I took it. They, I want to say I was into it when I, or I acquired it at, for sixty thousand. Um, put ten, put fourteen into it, and was able to rent it for eleven hundred. And you know, my loan was three hundred dollars. I ate the repair costs. So, I, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are exactly, but I was making like five hundred bucks a month on it. Well, I know what we sold it for too, plus all your positive cash flow, plus right. depreciation and appreciation that you got for it. Right. Was that the beginning of your love affair with weird two bedroom oh. houses in Waterford or White Lake oh, with funny gosh. basements? This is an ongoing joke between Tomes and I. I can't, well, you know, the market kind of, it kind of got sparse, you know, where I was able to see things on the MLS. And if this was before I had my realtor's license. I, you know, I'd call a guy up and, Tell him, come take me to see this crappy house on a Sunday when you'd rather be with your family. Uh, I'm going to make an offer that's like $40,000 <laughs> less than what they want. Yeah, you're, you're really going to the top of that buyer agent's pile, right? right? And I, I'll tell you this. He he was there with me the whole time, and he never griped, but I wouldn't have done it. Person, I mean, if I – no way. They want 60 for it, and you want to offer 20 Get the fuck out of here. That's what I would have said to myself. <laughs> but he did it. But he did it. He did it. I felt I felt terrible. I thought, you know, I Good. dragged him to ten or fifteen houses and 
he made a thousand dollars on the the one that finally went there. You know, fifteen hundred dollars on the one that I finally bought. So that was I decided to get my license after that. How much did you buy Ellery for? I can't remember. I paid sixty thousand for Ellery. So you did pay sixty thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put right. fifteen in, uh, rented it out for three years, made five to six hundred bucks a month. Actually, you know what? I'm going to turn this around on me. You've converted me. I know I gave you shit about those two bedrooms as we're selling them, but now you're telling me the numbers, and I know what you sold them for. You took weird, funny two-bedroom, weird basement bullshit and turned it right into money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did. So you know what? I'm taking it back, Domes. I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, the other two that we did, or the other other flip that I did was not, you know, I paid 40, put... 20 something into it was going to hold it as a rental. The far, we were going to buy the farm. So I didn't want to mess up my, uh, my credit with another mortgage. So I ended up selling it. And that one, I didn't, I mean, I think I made 13,000 on that one. Yeah. That one was a little tighter. That one was tighter. Uh, it did another weird two bedroom. Sorry folks. I screwed up. My batteries ran out. So we're kind of fixing this. I'll see how I could fix it and, Post production, which I suck at, so <laughs> let it ride. Let everybody see. Well, let yeah. shit ain't perfect. It's definitely not. Well, I think they know that. They listen to this <laughs> podcast for a long time. They know shit. Is he ever going to post that podcast? I swear <laughs> to God, I am at some point in time. But anyway, the point I was actually making, which is a good point, was even though your first rental hadn't gone that well. And you see the ups and downs in your work and realize, I need to take responsibility for these ups and downs. Yeah. Despite all this, you said, hey, we need to go buy some more real estate. Right, right. It's I, I don't know where we cut off or where we ended, but I saw it, especially, you know, I, I would sit, I probably looked at real, when we started looking for our first house in 2006, I never stopped looking. I'd always look and say like, you know, shit. I could buy that house for what I'm going to make in a car payment. Like if I just, if I don't have a car payment, I, I should just do this. Um, so easy barrier entry and no cap on what you can do. Um, really the big part for me was realizing that I was responsible for my life because although I kind of knew like to some extent I was, but I always saw outside forces as kind of steering me and I would let them. Um, so having the realization that I'm responsible for this. Like there's nobody else. It's not somebody else's job. It's not the government's job. It's not my employer's job. It's nobody's job but mine. And But Tom's is so hard. I know it is. It is fucking hard. Isn't it's it? fucking hard. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, it probably would have been just as hard sitting in that 1500 square foot house or the trailer or, you know, and waiting for shit to get better. Just waiting for it. You know, watching sitcoms at night or, you know, watching other people do house flips on HGTV. I mean, it, it would have been easier, but the I think the end would have been a lot harder. Well, amazingly enough, you do nothing, nothing happens, right? Right, right. So, so you guys decide to take the risk and you decide to start buying we did. more rentals. Now, you're just buying these on bank loans, right? So like your first, you got bought your first primary, prob- probably FHA, right? Bought, yeah. bought the second one. That was probably a conventional. Was that, that was it? Actually, we started off as an uh, with an FHA, and then refied a year later because things picked up a little bit more, and uh, 
paid down the debt, you know, not substantially, but we paid down the debt, got a 15-year mortgage, uh, started doing things that would make a little more sense for us. We didn't want to have a house payment at some point. We had a, a timeline, a, you know, let's pay this thing off in 10 years. That isn't necessarily how it went, but it set us up for the next step, which was, you know, being in a good financial position to be able to tackle something bigger like the farm. Well, I like how you're thinking, too, in terms of payment, right? There's a lot of ways you can do this, right? Because kind of what you're talking about with a tenant is forced depreciation, right? Right. They're making your payment. You didn't have a car payment. You're like, I can afford a car payment. Right. Right. And they're going to pay more, significantly more than this car payment for this house, right? I could do this, right? Right. Right. Some of your own money and all that. So let's talk about your second rental, buying the second rental. So let's see it. So everything, everything that I buy, I I kind of intend, like if I'm, even if I'm going to flip, if shit goes south, like we know it can, you know, we just talk about everything. It's going to, something's going to go wrong with everyone. So it's, it's been part of my exit strategy to, to kind of figure like if shit goes south, what am I going to get for rent? What am I going to owe? Uh, you know, multiple exit strategies. So, you know, I bought the second rental, um, and kind of didn't exactly know, maybe I was going to flip it. Maybe I was going to hold it as a rental, but it was mostly in my head. It was going to be a rental and the market didn't really support a flip at that point. So bought it, fixed it, uh, put it with a property manager. They had a shit ton of showings the first weekend. It was rented for a little bit more than I thought I was going to get. And it went smooth. You know, I held it for three years and I had two tenants, didn't know their names, just collected money. Um, that sounds pretty good. I liked it. I like, and it was, it was a good buy. I kind of regret selling it now, but it's nice to have cash reserves to do other things too. So, well, it's like a little piggy bank, right? You had to go raid the piggy bank right. for something better, right? right? Yeah. I got to go. So this is where you found your love affair for weird two-bedroom houses with strange basements. Yeah. Which actually I apparently have to take back. It's an inside joke. I've been giving Mark shit for a couple of years now. No more fucking weird two-bedrooms in, <laughs> in Waterford or White Lake with funny basements. Yeah. But I think I have to rescind that after – I can't remember how much we recorded right there. We're going to do this part again, but – it's funny how these weird little funny two bedrooms that nobody wants. You made a shit ton of money off that thing. Yeah, that one went really well. It was, uh, you know, helped me. Cash flow was four to five hundred dollars a month, maybe six. Depending. I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of repairs to do because you know it was, it was done. We we did it not quite flip quality, but repaired everything that needed to be repaired. Um, my second one, that's where the love affair with weird, weird <laughs> two bedrooms. This was two like bedroom. a moth to the flame. Tomes oh will find gosh. you. <laughs> two bedroom with an exterior. I can't stand up in this basement. It's perfect. Basement, right? With bowing walls. Oh, what the? Heck? Well, that was my kind of the same deal. I bought it. It could be a flip. It could be a rental. Um, decided that I was I was going to flip it, and that was the one I. Did pretty much all. I hired somebody to install window a, a few windows on it because it needed two two windows to be replaced, and everything else was me. My my kids helped me demo. Um, I redid the floors, painted new trim, new kitchen, uh, tiled in the bathroom and kitchen. 
Was this like the first full, full rehab you this did? This is my first full rehab. Because that's just, this is going the direction of a full rehab. This, this sounds, yeah. Yeah. This was all my money. Um, and it ended up being a pretty shitty, like, uh, what I made per hour. I was there for three months Oof. every day after work. Uh, you know, eight hours Friday and, or eight hours Saturday and Sunday. So I think at the end of it, I had, I, 500 hours in it truly sweat equity huh yeah and made about six grand Oof. it was rough Oof. but that was when i started i started writing a blog uh daily on what i was doing uh kind of showcase that and i think people saw what i was doing and you know kind of started taking me serious like who else is gonna do that you gotta be sick and and really um you really got to be tied to something to finish that, you know? Now, had the thought just never occurred to you to hire someone because of your dad and you're just like, we know how to do this shit and I got all these kids and we're going to save all this money yeah, or that ends up being, I, or just not have the money. Like we have to do sweat equity. That was kind of the other deal. I, I didn't have, I, I didn't have a huge extensive network in any of the trades. Uh, didn't know anybody who did any kind of, didn't have any relationships. So I, I know myself I could do it. So it was more like a it's a self-reliance. I know I know who can get it done and it happens to be me. Um and it was a pain in the dick. I learned a lot. Learned a lot about why I need to hire things out, you know, cuz I could have paid somebody about the same amount. I mean, I've I've done it. I've installed floors on my own and then have hired somebody out to do it the next time and I've paid them less to do the work better quality than I would have paid for materials. So yeah, that's a no brainer right there. Right. 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 So yep. I hire floors out now for sure. <laughs> Except for your home, your Except new home, you guys house. put in the floors. Yeah. 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 With my the kids. Knees, yeah. My knees aren't real happy about that. My kids are good at the tear out, tore out the carpet, helped me carry it outside. Um, not, not as great. It's not, you can't really do a two person. Like I can't watch what they're doing and, Probably not. I had to do it myself. The lay down part. My knees are still pissed. Looks good though. I got old man knees. Yeah. That well, it's better than the alternative, right? Yeah. Yeah. No knees. Yeah. Or just not being an old man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the second one, I I learned a lot about just hire out what I can. Uh, I got the attention of, of people who started taking me seriously uh, Where'd you buy this one from? Is this off the MLS? MLS. Okay, yeah. so that's an MLS. 2015, yeah. somewhere that there? that was the end of 2016, I want to say. Okay, yeah. Bought it, the, bought it summer of 2016, sold it in November for top dollar in the area at yeah. that time. <laughs> we got a good price. Yes, we did. So, and after that, I think I caught the attention of some people who lend money too, and they, they saw how, Well, the blog. Yeah. How'd you start the blog, by the way? That was, somebody said I should do it. <laughs> that was Jeremy Burgess. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> said, I think you should write a blog, one, one, one entry a day for 90 days. And I was like, what the fuck is a blog? I don't even know. Did you Google it? I was like. How do you spell? B, B, two oh, out, one, two G, what, blog? I guess I just better go start <laughs> writing. And I, you know, did it for 90 days. And that 90 days happened to be the 90 days that I was working on that house. And then a little bit after. 
So it was a good exercise in, in, uh, accountability to myself and to you told you, sure, I'll do it. Um, it was good to get my thoughts on paper and kind of let everybody know what I was thinking, kind of gather my own thoughts on what I was doing and then go back. And I could read, I haven't reread any of it yet, but I probably should. I love it. I love the whole series, which you were doing it in such a way that I hadn't seen anybody else doing it. I was like, this is really interesting. It's like people are going to get involved in this story. Like, I don't think people understand how narrative driven humans can be. I get fascinated with a line of like a storyline and I just have to know more about it. Right. When I look at all the content I consume, it's literally like 80% real estate and business and like 20% fucking philosophy or something. Right. Right, Like it's like, I get so obsessed with it. That's all I want to read about. That's all I want to do. And with, with the way your family was doing it with your kids and everything like that, I was like, I know I would like to read it. And I don't know. I can't remember who wrote it, but show your work. I got it. Should Google it. Do show your work. That was a book I read. Um, and I started showing my work too. Gotcha. And so it was like a cheat. I found like your best advertising is actually not advertising. It's just showing people what you're doing. Right. Right. And I loved it, and I know lots of other people love it. It's actually still you can. Uh, I'll put the link to his blog in there, and you can go back and you can read the you can read the whole thing. He's posted some more stuff too. It's been so. a while since I've entered anything into it. That's all right. Yeah. You can always get it going again, right? <laughs> right, right. Now that I got now that I got your feet to the fire, maybe one a week. People, the fans want to hear from you. Oh man, yeah, reach out. I, we'll do it live. I will. <laughs> I will. You should do video, though. I know you like to write, but uh, maybe consider doing video. I got a face for radio. Well, so do I, but it doesn't hurt anybody. It's just easier to do. Yeah, I I think. You got a busy ass life, dude. You got a job, freaking horses everywhere, kids running around. Like, actually, I know, because I wrote a blog for years and I gave up on it. Yeah. Takes you 10 times as long to write something, and I could just put my phone out and talk. Yeah, right, right. You know, my grammar's not going to be right, but at least it's up, right? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I went through, I think last year we kind of took a, I kind of took a hiatus off of, not really off of real estate. I just didn't, as we were getting our house ready to sell and selling it, I didn't want to have too many things going on so we could ensure a smooth uh, purchase of the farm. So I, that was a big part. I took a break. I think I wrote once or twice last year. I just didn't have a lot going on. Uh, this year, I, I think the things I'm doing are, it's like pretty much what everybody's doing. You buy a house, need some work, hire some people, sell it for more than you got into it. Hopefully a lot more. Hopefully a lot more. That's the goal. I, the, the way the market's looking, I, I think we're looking real good. I think we're good for another year. So. It made a liar out of me. Like I thought for sure. Dude. So for people listening... Starting the second week of August 2018 through January 1st, 2019, I lost two-thirds of my showings, and it went from multiple offers to sitting on the market for weeks before we got an offer. So, And this is like over six months, so I'm like, I'm calling it. You don't know that it's turned until it's already turned, right? So like in December, I'm like, it's been six months. I'm calling it. Second week of January, 2019 comes around. All of a sudden, I get almost all my showings back. Not all of them. It's not quite the same it was before. But I said, I'm like, where are all these showings coming from? And I'm like, holy shit. And then over a couple of weeks, I'm, we're three quarters away, right back to the way we were. So I was wrong. I, we're not at the top of the market. 
I guess we just took a pause, a long six month pause. It yeah. really did slow down like right. significantly. Right. Kind of perfect timing too for everything and selling everything and the savage getaway. I don't think we could have timed the top of the market for your price point on no. Wildberry any nope. better. We cut that close. Right. Um, but for everything like 250 or below, this, this is kind of what I'm talking, 250,000 or below. We're back. We're back in business, Are you baby. That in yeah, the city and the suburbs, everywhere, oh, everywhere. Good. So, not quite as hot. Where it's like multiple offers right out of the gate, and you're getting some weird things too. Like, it's on the market for ten days, and you get nothing, and then all of a sudden you get multiple offers. So I'm like hypothesizing that now we have some more inventory. Things have slowed down. Buyers are looking at more stuff, so it's taking longer to decide what to buy. But I'm kind of making that shit up. I don't know. I'm just right. taking a guess. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I, I thought it was weird to put it on the market, get nothing for 10 to 14 days, and then get multiple offers all right. of a sudden. But that's been happening more and more too. So it's been weird, dude. It's been weird. But I was definitely wrong. So there you go. Yeah, We're you not know, at the top. I, I When I was running my comps for the two that I have going right now, I'm looking in that time frame right now. You know, when I go back 120 days, which I usually try to be a little tighter than that, but um, see, I I guess now I should go back a little bit further because I'm kind of looking at the lull. I have real high hopes for the. I mean, I'm, I'm good where we set our where I set my mental price, but could go for more. It might, dude. It I, might. I look at my I look at the properties like once or twice a week. I'm like, oh, let's see what's going on. Not a whole lot of movement, but there's not also nothing for sale in these two areas. So well, people want to know how the sausage is made. I'll tell you how the sausage is made. Basically what I did in February was all the new listings I had coming up. I started adding 10 grand to them. And you know what? I got a 90 and 90% of the cases. I got it right. And some cases, this is going to weird some people out that don't understand this where I taken stuff off market and I put it back on market 20 grand higher and fucking got it right within two or three weeks. I did this because I noticed I had multiple offers on other ones and I'm like, I'm too cheap. And I took a stab at 10, 10,000 on one of Todd's properties or actually two of them. We got it right away. And I was like, holy, well, not right away, six days, but pretty much right right away. away. We'll wait six days for an extra 10 K. Right. Right. It's not beginning of 2018 right away. So, but like, I was like, dang. So then I started jacking up the prices on, um, some of these other ones pushing and the agents always say it's too much, but then I fucking get it. Right. So gets my blood going. I'm wringing my hands right now. I know. Ready. Let's do this. People think like, Oh, this is really scientific. And I go, which there is. Don't get me wrong. You do have to look at comps. You have to do your homework. But I think what people don't say, a lot of it's perception too. Right. Perceived value, what's currently available. And this, you can really only do it the way I'm doing it if you have a quality product too. I should say that. Right. I think some people think I'll just slap some shit on, throw it on, and squeeze an extra 10 or 15K out. Right. Like that's not how it works. But if you have a good quality product and the timing's right, you can squeeze some more out. And I noticed it and I took advantage of it. And I think I made my investors like an additional 60, 70 grand since then on top of what they were going to make, just squeezing an extra 10. Most of them, some of them only got like seven. Gotcha. You know, I think one, poor Eric, he got smashed. He only got like an extra five, but that's because I don't know. If you, these old houses, um, a lot of them had the underneath the front porch is like an old cellar for like putting your goods. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they're a hundred fucking years old. We had the worst ice rainstorm ever, and I had two houses in Bagley. Where both of them just filled up with frozen water. So just the worst. Poor, poor Eric too. 
the day they're doing the inspection is the day after that freezing ice. It, just miserable. So he got smashed on that. It'll never fucking leak again for another hundred years right. until the next <laughs> one full day. It was like three or four inches of ice rain on it. Boy. Like perfect storm kind of situation. So he got screwed. He only got five grand more than he Yeah, thought. he only got five grand more than he thought. That's so, still he's out there. It's pretty setting, good. He's out there setting records, right? He did. He did set a record oh. on that one. So he I'm did glad a good those job days too. Are still here. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually really proud of See, Eric. So one of the ones I'm working on is kind of a more of a whole tail, you know, where I Ooh. got it at a good price. I'm gonna do paint, do floors, and glaze the tub, and I think it's still gonna be marketable. Dude, I've, I've smashed a couple out. with Todd um, and Jeff Jeff Rabinowitz How'd too. That one go? Dude, it's going great. It's Sold? going fucking Under great. Under contract? Under contract. Oh yes. I know for ten grand more what we were asking. Nice. Didn't fucking see that one coming too. See, yeah. sometimes you don't know either. You know? Right, right. We were strong though. We we were there was only one other active listing in a quarter mile, and it was overpriced by ten k. But these people overpaid easily by ten k. I sometimes sometimes perception when I'm talking to the listing agents out there, or maybe if you're going to hire a listing agent, it's not just what it's worth. It's what the perceived value is in comparison to whatever else is on market. Right, right. Right. So consider that in your head. People will pay a premium for a wholesale deal, even though it's not nearly as nice as this one. They couldn't even take twenty grand and put it into this and have it as nice as the other one. Yeah. But they could afford it. They're right. buying it. Yeah. So, And when we say wholesale deals, um, a wholesale deal is a deal where you buy it, you do you're not bringing it to the top of the market. So you're not looking at your traditional ARV after repair value, right? And all that, what you're looking at um, is what do you think it would sell for in its current condition or maybe slightly improve like paint, right? Like super minor. You're not doing a lot of stuff. In the case of the one that Jeff's doing, we literally just cleaned it. It was in such good condition. Yeah, that one right? looked nice. It was a nice I one. So that's a wholesale just, deal. Yeah. It's not full retail. It's not wholesale, right. it's wholesale, right right in the middle. And that's an excellent strategy. Good way to determine that is look at the comps and see if you see a bunch in between. Yeah, I didn't that's a good see a way. bunch in between, but like I said, there's not – this is an old Waterford neighborhood within walking distance to the lake. It's like it's what all the people are going to want. Um, there was one sold, you know, somebody had come in and they ripped all the carpet up and exposed the wood floors, but the wood floors still had chunks of uh, – Oh yeah, of padding on it, and you know none of the walls were painted. They had the the white old cabinets with the wood trim. I guess they got like one eighty for it. Damn. Yeah, that's amazing, dude. I mean, mine's mine's, and it's it's a tri or uh, yeah, tri level. Mine's a nice ranch, just waiting for somebody to come buy it. You I mean, want anyways. It. You want I want it. to date the podcast. <laughs> Hopefully that's what all of them are from now on. <laughs> well, that's why you shoot for that kind of thing. Well, I think a lot of people see that and they have to bring it to the top of the market. Just don't take your shitty mid-grade one and try and sell at the top of the market. Right. Take your right. wholesale deal and price it wholesale. It's a value prop, right? Right. You could have top of the market or like in the Tome situation, maybe somebody wants to put in sweat equity. Yeah. Right? Maybe somebody doesn't mind that mint green nineteen fifties bathroom. Oof. Mint green's tough. Ooh. I could do the Dude, pink. I'm not sure mom about the mint and green. Diana we're both like eh, It's not terrible. Yeah, it's retro. Oh, pink is retro. 
The tub is pink. We're glazing that. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Hey, man, you know what? It's in good shape. That's how you're getting it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All the tiles work. You could change that shit later if you right, want to. Right. So. All right, there we got digress on the on the on the whole tail thing. So, so let's go back. Go back to the shitty two bedrooms, huh? Well, you gonna take us there? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna swing back a little differently now that I'm thinking about this. What made you finally decide? Because you did for almost ten years. You did this without talking or networking with anybody else, right? Yeah, give or take. I mean, it was basically in a vacuum. Two thousand six to two thousand no nine years in a vacuum, basically. Yeah. Right. Just what your dad told you, bumping into people, real estate agents. Yeah. But you're not networking. You're not looking for private money. You're not trying to find other investors or wholesalers. You yeah, didn't even know, right? It was, I was just doing a live-in flip, and I wasn't doing it as a value add for the market. It was more for you know me and my family so we could live in a nicer house. Um, at the time we bought, I couldn't afford you know, something that was done, something that was beautiful. So took something that needed a little bit of work, learned how to do wood floors, slapped a coat of paint on. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, and then when we went to sell in 2012, I had zero, I didn't even, I didn't even know what a, a, you know, network, networking. I'm not going out to talk to people. You know, <laughs> that's not my thing. I, I'm uncomfortable. I don't like new situations with people. Um, so, See, that's surprising to me because I get along so well with you, and I got along with you right from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, we, we like, did. Immediately. Right. And I think there's – I got to have like – I don't know how to put it. Like I need – when the people that I get along with best have a certain amount of rust, a certain amount of rough edges. I'm definitely dinged up. And that's <laughs> – I I mean, I'm, the, I'm the dent uh, – bump dent scratch special. Well, yeah, but you know what? I mean – I put you against anybody that's polished as far as, you know, quality of person and, and character. Um, I just, I've always seen myself as just a little like sub, uh, I don't know how to put it. I'm not a traditional dude. I, I mean, having a nice car in a subdivision, you know, with a wife and two and a third kids or whatever, it just never really appealed to me. I like, I like people that, have tattoos and have shitty mouths. Just <laughs> I got a mouth like a language. sailor. <laughs> I'm actually third generation Navy too, so I come by this shit honestly. And roughnecks, lumberjacks, welders, like right. true, like they are who they are, and they wear it on their sleeve. You know where you're coming from. You know that's that's really the, the thing that I like is you know where somebody's coming from. You know. It's not polished. It's not. It's not prepared for presentation and you know, and blind acceptance or whatever. But to your point, like I didn't know that there were a lot of those people in real estate. I never really. I mean, you know, I hired a real estate agent. She came over in her little button-up shirt and her clean car, and I was like, okay, that's real estate. And then, so you know, I bought. I was a landlord. Bought the new house, was there for three years before I started really, I think 2015 was when I, every time I would Google something, a, a, a one website would come up and I'd go and I was like, oh, that, you know, they have people interacting and, and they have a, they have a, a podcast. So I listened to that podcast for 
you know, six months before I, I heard Renegade Detroit. I don't even, I think I, I friended Jeff Rabinowitz on this site and he was like, you know, first off, this is a social media platform. I know what site it is. <laughs> put, your, put your picture up there because, you know, yeah. otherwise, you know, so I did that and messaged, messaged him back and it, and Jeff's kind of to the point. He's like, you know, what does he want to spend time with some new guy who doesn't even know to put his picture up? And he's like, here, go check out these, you know, these networking sites and, you know, go do that. So he brought up Renegade Detroit and I was like, I went out or no, I started listening to your podcast. And I was like, okay, this dude is, that was the early days too. Yeah. He's chopping wood. He's, you know, I do love chopping wood. Right. Yeah. Me too. And that's one of my favorite things in the world. I was heating with wood. I was chopping wood. I was 2014 was the angry year too. I was fucking angry. 2014. I I split, (laughs) I split three years of wood in 2014. That's how fucking angry I was. I was angry at everything. (laughs) I started at the beginning and didn't stop until I caught up. And then, uh, yes. I was like, okay, well they have a networking thing too. I guess I'll go see what that's about. I, Really worked myself up, like, oh, I'm really uncomfortable. I don't want to go. Uh, ended up going and was like, okay, these are they're real people. This is a room full of like, I can't tell the difference between me and the next guy. And I do know, you know, okay, that's the guy from the podcast. And well, he looks like a normal dude. It was the vest, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The vest makes me approachable, right? So <laughs> that changed my whole mind, like. Networking, as I said, it never occurred to me. It's not, I'm not a people oriented person necessarily. Like, I could spend my time fixing stuff or, you know, building something. Well, you got plenty of kids and animals and a gorgeous wife and a gorgeous farm, too. You could be doing I lots could of spend things, my you know. Time, yeah, yeah. Doing nothing but that. Plenty of acreage. Right. You can't hear the sound of anything, just like wind. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Like, oh. that's one thing. Every time I go out there, the noise pollution, like, the light pollution is easier for me to get over, but the constant fucking noise of a city really grinds on me. All the horn honking, all that. We go out to your place. It's like crickets, wind. We've exchanged our like, noise, the mechanical noise pollution for uh, organic noise pollution <laughs> and the kids. I know, but I love your kids. I think they're great. <laughs> you guys have uh, – same with the Desmond. So you guys have really great kids. That's one of the reasons I love coming over. They're so much fun to hang out with. Like I agree. They're I legitimately agree. good good kids. So if they listen to this, uh, I think they know how much I like them. But, yeah, you guys are great. That's why it's fun coming over. So. Yeah, the boys love climbing Uncle Jeremy. I know they haven't been able to do it since my fucking second back surgery. Poor guy. Well, you know, I'm sorry, Lockwood. Really trying to let, like, dude, no, you guys can't climb on people. And then here comes Jeremy, like, oh, climb on you me. You can climb on me all you want. <laughs> I could do this all day. <laughs> they loved it. Yeah, they it was fun. It made burgers a lot more fun too. I feel like they earned it. So you start networking. These are back in the dark days of RDI too, where like for me, if I can get forty or fifty people in a room. Like, that was an amazing thing. I mean, I was there. Yeah, we had 30 people in the room, and it was like, I think I remember getting 40 in or so at one point. It was like, wow, this is, it's really starting to grow. And then you got like, I think at the end there was like 50, and it was like standing up against the wall. The windows were all steamed up. And the four unmentioned coffee shop. Yeah, with just a bunch of killers ready to go out and kind of take over the world. 
That was also when I started changing up the format too. Okay. I started uh, or I started playing with the format to get that. So so you come to this. So you're introverted. You come anyway because of the podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. And you start making relationships. That's also when I re- it was like a year later or two years later. I propositioned you about the podcast yeah. too, right? But you started developing those relationships. And that's when you started to get some access to other resources, private money. Because then you started changing how you do your deals, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Private money, deal structuring. I mean, plus, I mean, not to mention hanging out with guys who, you know, their visions of, of what can be are like so far beyond what mine were. Like, like when I started, I thought, okay, I can do rentals or I can do flips. Well, then, oh, yeah, well, people need to own multifamily, you know. Not everybody needs to own it and hold it forever. Some people are buying and buying, improving, selling. So they're like fixing, flipping, holding, then selling for you know, for more money down the line. I, I mean, I don't even know all the ways. I just I sit back, I listen, I see somebody who's doing something cool. You know, everybody's approachable. Kind of talk to them, see what's happening. You know, try to add a little bit of value if you can. You know. Well, this if is not. where I say something nice about agents. It doesn't happen very often, but they do do some things better, right? One thing I've noticed, the big difference between real estate agents and real estate investors is real estate agents cooperate more, right? And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to start Renegade Detroit Investors. Not that we're not in competition because I will take business from anyone. Yeah. I swear to God, I will. And I have. I don't care who it is. I will take business from that person as long as the person isn't crazy, Right. But just because we're in competition with each other doesn't mean we can't also can't cooperate, right? right. You know, it's not always win, lo- lose, right? Like if you're going for a wholesale appointment, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. Right. You know, that's a win-loss scenario, right? But I think there are more win-win scenarios in real estate than there are win-lose Absolutely. scenarios. Right. So, right. And that was something I was trying to – and it's still hard with investors. <laughs> they just kind of don't – it's just I think it's a different mentality. I think that's what makes investors investors too. They're thinking differently. They're right. they're not thinking like that. They're coming from a different spot. So I never would have thought a room full of investors wouldn't just be trying to cause I don't know what kind of idea I had in my mind about investors, but I thought you know, it's kind of a small community. Isn't networking going to isn't this guy going to go take that guy's deal? Is that going to happen? I don't I'm sure it, it's happened somewhere, but it doesn't happen that often. I mean, though. yeah, the, the really the core group of people that I've known for the last four years, almost. I mean, I've seen more cooperation. You know, somebody's got trades. You know that they can shift over to you. They're going to help you find good people. Maybe they have money. Maybe they have deals that they you know that they're going to overflow. It's kind of like one of your quotes. You know, do the right thing and don't be an ass clown. Yeah. You know, I, one of the deals that I got was from Todd Chun. Like Todd Chun was working on this deal, and at the end of it, it was like it just didn't make sense for him to take it on. So he handed it off to me. You know, like, and I hope at the end of it, I can give him a little bit back. But I don't. It's not why he did it. He did it because we're friends, and he had an extra deal. I'm like keeping it in the family great. too. Like right. that's another thing. I mean, we've done. It's not deals. my flavor, right? Like, right. I get shit. I'm like, this is not me. That was the one. But I know, boom, that's here you go. The wholesale deal that I got, I was like, shit, I 
initially I bought it because I thought I was going to do something with it. Well, it turned out being a, a bigger project and I was like struggling to find people to come help me. The guy that I had done that I had doing a lot of my work on my last few flips and rentals was kind of like done driving out to Waterford from, from Pinckney. So I kind of got, I was like, Oh shit, what do I do? Hey, Jeremy, do you know anybody? And Jeremy gets in contact with Todd and Todd's like, I know somebody. Yep. We split a good deal up. Boom. Whack it up. Got it done. Right. Yeah. That was a good deal too. It was. That was a fun deal. I mean, any one of us could have made a bunch more money off it, but you know, I made money, you made money, Todd made money. Hopefully the end buyer made money. Well, with wholesaling too, it's a lot about speed, right? Like a lot of people think it's, don't get me wrong. I love maxing out wholesale deals, but having wholesaled for a long time, it's a challenging thing to do. So, and you kind of need two people doing, you need one person getting contracts, one person selling contracts. And that's a hard thing to manage in a company. I was never able to really figure out how to do it. So kind of my way of doing it was anybody I've done business with before, anybody I get along real well with, anybody who refers me through that, can I keep it in the network? I won't make as much money, kind of like um, a listing agent doesn't make the 6%, they make the 3%, somebody else. But you get speed, and it keeps you back out in the field getting contracts. Right, yeah. Right. So when you're wholesaling, some people do it differently, and they go top dollar on everything. Like Captain Micah kind of does that, right? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Like every deal you're trying to to smash it but for me i wanted speed right right my strength is definitely in sellers negotiating with sellers buyers it's a struggle you know all the emotions with buyers i work which is funny i worked buyers for years dude yeah so from 2007 through 2000 13, all I worked were buyers because you can buy anything you want off the MLS REO. You didn't have to talk to a single fucking seller. I didn't talk to a seller for six years, which is amazing to think about now because that's all I do is talk to sellers now all the time. (laughs) I almost never talk to buyers. It's always sellers, but that's how it was. But sellers, when I switched to sellers, not only am I better at it, uh, but you can pay somebody who's better at the buyer stuff. And a lot of times they get you more money too. So it's not – people think, well, I'm getting this guy. I'm giving up money. Right. Not if they're better at it than you. Right. Right. They're getting more deals. You might get what you would have got without having to actually do the work, which right. most of the time in my case, that's a fucking win. That's a win. That's right. a huge win. I guess My friend gets money. I don't have to do the work. I get what I probably would have got if I'd done it on my own anyway. And he or she gets put money in her pocket. Yeah. And it happened faster. That's the kind of cooperation I'm talking about, where right. it's win, 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 win. Yeah, there's not a loss in. There. I like seeing people make. Yeah, money. I mean, if I'm making money and and you're making money and he's making money and she's making money, that's the greatest thing in the world. And that's cooperate. I mean, it's and it's funny. I never would have thought that was going to happen as much as I see it happen in in our network. Um, I don't know if it's if that's how it is everywhere, or if this this is what you built. Well, Since I'm only in this area. I think it does happen in lots of places, but I don't think it usually happens this small. I'm yeah. just a stubborn motherfucker. Been That's doing this for 11 years now, <laughs> and for eight of them, yeah, for eight of them, I didn't get more than 50 people in a room. Most of the time, let's be honest, it was 25, 30. You know, so I yeah. just I ground on that. I suspected though it could happen. But I also think we're in a great place for it, too. Yeah. People talk shit. Don't get me wrong. I sometimes get jealous of other regions' price points, right? right? But when you're just looking at opportunity, 
in the mid, I'm going to say Midwest, but certainly I'm biased to Southeast Michigan, right? There's a shit ton of opportunity in the Midwest that doesn't exist in other places, right. even though maybe the values are lower than what's, what's on the coast. I think it's an amazing opportunity. We have so much opportunity here. I think it brings out a lot of savages. So maybe yeah. I am biased just because I've been here so long, but I think we have some of the most savage, knowledgeable, not just investors, but real estate agents and teams and businesses as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's been my experience. Anytime I go meet somebody from California, they look at us like we're crazy. I'm like, it's so much more competitive out there. I'm like, it is what it is, man. There's a lot of opportunity too. That's why I moved here. Right. So right. it's like they're giving away the Midwest. That's how it looks like. If you don't live in the Midwest, that's what the Midwest looks like to somebody from the coast or oh, from yeah. the world. It looks like they're giving it away. When a postage stamp is three quarters of a million dollars in Seattle right. or on the coast, and you can, I mean, Jesus. Or you can buy a horse farm. Literally. In southeast Michigan. With a shit ton of horses. <laughs> and, and the horse's house is almost as nice as your house, right? right? It was right. crazy. You got like a, uh, it's, anyway, we're in a great place, I think, I which is why I'm here. Low barrier to entry. That's what started to change in your life after you started networking? Because I do want the people listening, even if you're not in Metro Detroit, there are RIAs and real estate meetings and meetups, and you can find your your tribe. Like, oh, yeah. They're, they're out there. Right. If you go, right. If you go look, we will find them. Yeah. Right? So I encourage you to do it. But what, what started changing with you when you started doing that? Uh, when people – when people hear what you want, when they know what you're looking for, they're more apt to help. Um, I've got people that approach me that know me well that, are, you know, maybe they've started lending or maybe they've been lending for years. Uh, so money has, has come out of it. You know, some people that are willing to fund deals, um, people with deals, if they know I'm going to close on something in, in Waterford, White Lake, you know, they know they're not going to have to dick around with somebody with showing it to 20 people, showing it to, you know, investors that they don't know. So, you know, recognition, knowing people that know my market present me with deals. Um, I mean, that's the most part for the most part, getting deals, getting offers on money, knowing, knowing where to go for money, knowing where to go for deals, um, camaraderie. I mean, all of us are sick fucks. We are. Um, I don't want to talk about that's anything great. else too. So if you're that person, that's why you got to go network. You're going to bore your wife to death or your friends are going to hate you at the pinochle game or whatever. Right. Like you, you could go out and talk to other people about this stuff. Yeah. And that's, I think that might be part of all of our sicknesses that real estate, it's, it's easy to fall in love with, but not everybody wants to talk about it. Very few people. Very few people. I have a hard time going and this is even me. I can. I could generally find common ground with almost anyone, but beyond 20 minutes, unless you have a bunch of dogs right, <laughs> or a bunch of kids, my interest is waning. Maybe right. if we're hunting and fishing. Right. right. Maybe a barbecue in there somewhere, but it's waning. Like I am obsessed with it. So I'm that's gonna, pretty much what I think about, talk about all the time. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to talk. Yeah. I'm going to, if I'm in your house, totally wondering what the ARV is, wondering what we could do to fix it up. Uh, I've got people that I work with that I'm just like, hey, they've been in the same house forever. And you're like, oh, you should sell. You should sell that. Or buy a house <laughs> every year too. It. Yeah. 
You know what you can get for this if you if you know put put a bathroom on the first floor. <laughs> it's going to increase your value by fifteen thousand. It's only going to cost you four grand to do it. Yeah. Right, you know the young kids that I work with. I'm like, you know, you really should buy an apartment. You should really look at buying a house. You know, like buy a house, fix it up in a few years, rent it out. They all nobody wants to hear it. They're all in their twenties. They're too busy having fun. But I can't stop myself. Well, let's circle back to the dream because this was a big thing. And I think how you set it up, it, well, there's been multiple metaphors through this one too, right? But like starting, even though things aren't going right, but beginning with the end in mind, figuring out how to pay for it. Let's talk about the horse farm. Right. When did you guys first hear about your beautiful horse farm? So let's see. We... This is a weird scenario. When we moved into our house in Wildberry, the neighbors, you know, on the other side of the street, within walking distance from us, happened to know my aunt and uncle. So they came and introduced us. You know, hey, we're your neighbors. We know Harry and Melinda. They brought us cinnamon rolls, found their places in our hearts, right? Real That'll fast. work. It worked. Cinnamon rolls work. So they invite us. We they would invite us over for barbecues and they were they were heavy in the church so they'd have their church friends over and we'd go and we'd eat and you know have fun with them and still find common ground although we're not very religious um, they happened to have these people over who knew that you know they everybody knew that Diana was into horses we had horses at our house and they said you know we own this farm down the road we're gonna want to retire someday. You know, we got 26 acres, 26 stalls, and Di and I, I just kind of rolled our eyes like, okay, yeah, well, you know, no problem. We'll just get together this money and, you know, so that was where the, the bond started. So I'm going to say it was probably maybe 2013 or 14. They're kind of, they kind of planted a seed and we kind of thought like, yeah, no way, but you know kind of humor them oh the you know they want to sell to us how cute um well diana started boarding a horse there um she'd keep a horse there in the winter so she'd have a place to ride and and um it kind of it's started getting more serious i think she started boarding in 2015 there and the owner would kind of drop hints as she was out doing chores like you know <laughs> you could buy this we got about a year left in us before we're going to be done and we kind of went, okay, like, fine, you know. Then it, we'd start, we started asking about price, like, well, what do you guys want for it? And they told us the price, and we went, oh, yes, okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right. If wishes were horses, beggars could you ride. Good luck, right. buddy. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and that kind of went on, like, we said, well, you know, we we might be interested, you know, we might be able to make it work. Like at this point we're, we're starting to build, we had a little, you know, portfolio of three or four houses and kind of had some equity in my house and some equity in all these. And I thought, well, you know, it's, it is possible. I mean, we could, we could sell everything and be in a great spot, but I didn't want to do that. And Diana didn't want to do that. So we kind of, you know, we, we would think about it like kind of like, Ooh, that's, that's like that almost that's like when that when the when the conversation really started, I thought, 
were like five years away when they mentioned it in the the uh, winter of 2017. They said we're selling. We want to be done in a year. We had a real estate agent come out. He gave us this price, but we realize it's going to take two years to sell at this price. So here's what we want. And they, they threw out a number and Diane and I started seriously considering like, well, what do we owe on our house? What could we sell it for? Is that going to get us the down payment? And then can we get a mortgage? And we just start, we just kind of started doing the next thing. Like, negotiated with them a little bit and their price just kept going up. They'd add twenty five, fifty thousand dollars on and I'd say, no, it's it's not gonna happen. So we ended up at about the price that they mentioned in December. Then we added a little bit more for equipment. Um we started comp I started comping out our house and found that it's it's increased in value quite a bit from 2012. Um, had you comp it, and I think I don't even I think even when you comped it, dude, it was hard. I was I was at a price. Then you were like, I think we can get 20 grand more, and and I was like, okay, well, we could try that. And I'm kind of we're joke Diana and I joke back and forth like, what if we got this? Oh, what if we got this? <laughs> and it was that, whoa, what if we got this price that we decided to list it at? Like, That's you're right. Like, what the hell? Why don't we just try for this? Which, speaking of which, people, I don't just throw a wild number out there, right? I observe the market. You observe the days on market, right? And in this case, there wasn't a lot of great, nice stuff out. That's actually what made it so hard to comp. A right. nice house with 10 acres, and then you're trying to compare – House to all sorts of different houses to all sorts of different square footage. But one thing I noticed is the nicer ones, the days on market were about a third of what all the rest of them were. And the market was hot and I thought it wouldn't hurt. Now we only raised it by about, I think it was like six and a half, seven percent from what we thought we could. So as a percentage of the list price, we weren't like, I'm going to shoot for 20% more right. than what I can get. But we definitely went off whatever we thought we could. Yeah. And we're like, mm, more. I'm like, eh. And I have found generally if you keep it between 5 and 10%, usually like that 7.5%, you get lucky sometimes. Yeah. And we did. Well, I think that number too that we ended up at was like, whoa, holy, like the most I ever thought. Like I was just kidding. Diana, what if we got this for it? That and what was it on the market for five days? Yep. Oh, it was the mer- most nerve wracking five days because I knew we were in a hot market and we had like three showings. I went, oh no, this isn't second showing. Put an offer in on it. <laughs> Not a lot of people who like horses or want cows and want a nice house, right? Like it was kind of a perfect scenario too, right? right? right. Turns out you kind of knew the the person who purchased it through another person loosely. Yeah. yeah, Very loosely. loosely She happened to be a a veterinarian and my wife worked for a while with another veterinarian who kind of knew her. We knew where, you know, I work right by her, one of her practices. So, but I think, I mean, even before that, like we didn't know if we were going to qualify because, I mean, my income's decent, but I didn't think it was that great. You know, we have some rental income. I have some, usually I would think at that point I was doing a flip or two a year. So I was adding a little bit that way, but we talked to 
we talked to Joe Randall, the uh, the table sponsor. The Joe Randall Mortgage Table. The Mortgages by Joe Randall. Fuck. What'd you name it again, sir? I'm going to get this right eventually. Yes. We the, know what it's not named. Anyway, you will see if you want a mortgage to Joe Randall, there'll be a link in the uh, show notes, right? Yeah. So we talked to Joe Randall, and Joe's like, oh, sorry, we didn't talk to Joe Randall first. We talked to another big bank who promised us one thing. We were going for it. We had a purchase agreement signed. We were we They had all of our documents, and then the guy was like, no, nah, I didn't say that. Ooh, the bait and Which switch was a huge mistake with because Diana's dealing with them. Diana's doing all the getting in touch with the mortgages or the mortgage guys, getting all the paperwork together. And he's like, "I didn't say that." And she was like, "Fuck you!" That was it. This is why I love that. I'm the same way. You lie to me. That's the end. Yeah. There's a difference between errors and mistakes. Humans make errors. Lying is a mistake. This guy made a mistake. That's just like that. The lying one too. I just can't get over because yet. that was the last conversation. He said, "I never said that," and she said, "I'm sending you the email where you said it." That was the last time. So, talk to Joe. Like, what do you think you can do? He's like, "I can't do what you thought," you know, because it was we were trying to put ten percent down because we want to balance like what we have in stores and what we're going to use for our you know real estate business. Um, Joe got us close. He got us 15, 15% down. Still a pretty healthy chunk, but I thought at any given point, like we just, we're just going to do the next thing. Like what's the next thing? And we'll stop when we have to stop, like submit the paperwork. Oh shit. They're, they're going to let us do this. Like, okay, (laughs) they're going to give us some money. They're going to give us the money. Okay. Well, let's do the next thing. And it ended up, I mean, it was a big process. We started, I think we had the house listed. We wanted to list in May. Um, so we had the process. We were started as we listed it. You know, we started the mortgage process. And it took us until September. And all the while, the sellers, the farmer, like, I mean, they're nervous. They're like, we were supposed to have everything done by July. Dude, it was stressful. They were nervous as hell. They were like, we, they actually let us move in. Not spo- I don't think I was supposed to say this before, but we moved in in July. Our house is sitting empty. We, we're trying to work on getting the mortgages straightened out and getting their mortgage straightened out on the sale side. And, you know, meanwhile, these people are living in a camper in my backyard. And they're like, shit, you're in my house already. When, it, <laughs> when are we going to close? And we just had to, like... A little bit. Uh, this is the information that I have now. This is what. Well, this is all I have. Okay. Well, I guess we'll trust you. Do we that. were paying rent. We were paying them a, a rent that I was uncomfortable with, but made for a, a made for a faster transaction. <laughs> I think it was the most stressful deal I've ever done because everything was on the line. The dream was on the, the line. Dream. You were already in it. Right. They were in the trailer. Like it was like, like the pressure was on, and I had the worst loan officer and buyer's agent on the other side that I've dealt with in a long time. It was she didn't communicate any problems and basically sprang it on us last second. Two days before we were my god, which is about the worst thing you could do to Jeremy. By the way, if you want to end up how you end up on my shit list and I start ruining your life, get between me. My best friend and his dream, 
and I will ratchet that shit up I, to a hundred percent. I was nervous between <laughs> Diana, you, and Carolyn. I thought something bad is going to happen to these people. <laughs> <laughs> I keep my eye on the ball. Nothing bad happens to them till they've paid. <laughs> and usually, if they pay, I'll let it go. <laughs> oh, we closed. We closed for top dollar. Yeah, we we made it to the farm, and now you know. Well, I want to talk about a few other things about too, because there's a business involved with this. Because I think this is the genius part of yeah. what you did, right? Your business actually pays for your house, not the down payment, not right. all the negotiating, not right. I mean, blah blah blah, right? Yeah. But your mortgage, mortgage is for the most part paid, depending on the month, depending on you know we've got capital improvements that we're making, so just minus that, we've got supplies that we've got to get, you know, weird things, tractor parts. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's, uh, it's been either close to paying it or, you know, we've made 500 bucks a month. Wasn't there some seller financing involved as well? There is. So it was creative deal as well. Right. Right. We, which don't get yourself in trouble too much talking about it. I don't know what parts I can and cannot talk about, but be very vague. Then there was, there was seller (laughs) financing at the end, which, you know, the farm had equipment, the farm had, um, you know, things that. Things that are in the barn. So we basically, we bought the house, we got a mortgage for one price, and then we've got a, a on the back end of it, they kind of land contracted us the business portion of it, um, which, you know, the Interesting website, way to do uh, it, too, yeah. I You know, it and it sprang, it sprang from a kind of a necessity, like, you know, we want to get our mortgage, we want that to clear but we also we understand that the value the value is a bit more than what the house would comp for because you know how how are you going to get a a residential mortgage on a place with 26 stalls two different barns an indoor and an outdoor arena which it doesn't add value to a to a real estate you know no 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 lender is going to come in and say okay i see the value on these liabilities you know <laughs> these metal buildings out in the middle of our thing that have no value so yeah we just we understood that we're going to get a comparable right about here and then this is where you know they wanted to be you know more in price than that so we negotiated the farm separately got the equipment got the backhoe got the plow jeep and the other miscellaneous heated buckets and you know yeah. Heated buckets are nice. Yeah. Dude, oh, especially with this winter. They're fucking expensive though. Man. Our heat bill or our electric bill was eight hundred bucks last month. That is bad. But <laughs> would you rather Frozen be out there? Sucks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? The horses every single day, probably twice a day, frankly, as cold as it got there for a while, right? Yeah. yeah. That would have been miserable. Oh yeah. We did years we we at our old house, we carried buckets from the house oh. out to the pasture, dumped them. Kids, Diana, it's bucket time. Diana, she's a beast. Oh, man. Two five-gallon buckets. That's what I'm talking about, Diana. <laughs> I had to do that a whole year in my garden. Oh, yeah. I did it for some apple trees. I did it for... Yeah. Not horses, though. Thank, no. thank Jesus. They probably drink a lot more water was, than, my, yeah. <laughs> than yeah. my plants do. Yeah, and you're always... The only, they keep doing it. The only time it sucks is in the winter. Summer's not bad. I mean, you still got to do it. You got to do it a little bit more, but... You're doing it in a t-shirt, in the sunlight. Which is better. 
Right. And Sun on your face, wind on your back. Yeah. It's dark. It's cold. It's windy. Slippery too. And slippery. The hills and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. You had cows there and stuff. You don't have cows there anymore, you don't have but cows yeah. Anymore. Well, you do. They're just wrapped in packages they're just, in the they're freezer. Still in the freezer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're a little smaller now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a business that that was a very interesting deal. How that came together, go from ten acres and blow that up. How many horse stalls again? We have twenty six stalls. Man, it's amazing. More horses though. You have multiple horse pastures. Right. Indoor stadium. Yep. Which apparently required some ridiculous amount of expensive sand and rubber mixed in together. Yeah, we're still into it, too. We had to level it, which changed the level from one side to the other, the difference of two feet. But now we're below grade. Now we have water issues that I've got to sort out. Do you need to bring in more of that special sand, or you got to fix it some other way? Uh, I think I just got to put gutters up. All right, that'll I've got to reroute. I don't know what I have to do yet. Yeah, I've got to figure out what I've got to do and then do something. Well, they have great sand to walk on with rubber. I think about. Don't get me. I think it's great. I don't want animals. Uh, but yeah, they got a they got a nice ass house in the middle of the winter to run around in and right. do stuff, right? right? Which is amazing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's been good for. Um, Diana does horse training and she does lessons and now she's got a she's got a space in her backyard. I mean, just walks out to the backyard. Boom, slinging that horse lesson. That's right. Get that. <laughs> Get that money. <laughs> well, the business is paying for the dream, too. Right. Which the I just thought was the greatest thing. Obviously, not all of it, but how you stretch from basically double what you were at your last place as you figure out how to get somebody else to pay for it, right? Yeah. Yep. Just because you can't afford it doesn't mean you can't figure out somebody else to that's afford right. it for you, you know? And that's, I mean, that it goes with a lot of things. I mean, I'm looking at deals right now that I'm just, I'll probably be a little slightly shy on cash for the moment. I know people who are willing to, to make that, you know, deal. I mean, I can't go into it too much because we're not under contract yet, but. Yeah, you're going to be looking, uncomfortable. I'm going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> Again. And it's so strange because I've, I never, I don't look at myself as like a type A or a, you know, I'm not really a, I wouldn't even say I'm a go-getter necessarily, but I do like to do shit. I guess I do like to be a little uncomfortable. If you're not a go-getter, I don't know what a go-getter I, is. So. Isn't that weird? Like, <laughs> it's just not how I see myself. You're you know, not lazy. I'll put it that way, right? I you're maybe a little quiet. I don't have as much energy as I used to. That's for sure. Well, that, I mean, yeah, I think that's, I think that just goes with the territory, right? That's why I say in my bio, trade it, you mean, some of the best, I mean, I was a machine. I could do anything for 14, 16 hours and then just go home and do more. Not so much now. I think I got a good 12 hours, you know, if I need to go to work during the day, come home, do a little work on the farm or do a little work on a, on a project. But I feel it now. It's not like it used to be. No, I've I've noticed as well. Well, I ruined myself. Basically, I didn't take a day off for four years, and that's why the doctor think I had to have um, back surgery. But it wasn't like I did it. I was so displeased with my life and my results that I remember, and I was just like, "Fuck everything about this. Fuck that. Fuck you. Fuck them." That was so. Two thousand fourteen. 
when that was the angry year, I was like, fuck everything about this. Fuck you. As you were walking by me, it's like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to crush you all. I'm going to do all these things. And I didn't know how to wholesale. I didn't know how to do any of this shit. I'm just like, I'm going to go fucking do it. And yeah, I didn't take a day off, worked myself uh, half to death with it. But you know what, man? I shaved years off suffering. People look at that like, I, that could have taken me 10, 12 years to right. dig myself out of that hole. Right. I fucking did it in four. So there was a trade off there too, right? Yeah. Like for me, my burning desire to change was how much I hated my fucking life. Right. And I couldn't handle it one minute more. So like a switch flipped in my head. Now it's just like, I'm just going to fucking do this until I can't. Like, I don't care what happens. I don't just whatever. So I think you got a little bit of that too. Yeah. You just didn't put yourself in quite a bad position as yeah. I did. Well, you know? I mean, for me, my bad position was like growing up and kind of knowing, I kind of knew I had some potential somewhere. A lot of people told me I had potential and I kind of, I was mediocre. I did mediocre in school. I did just enough to get by. I did mediocre in a lot of places in my life. And I always felt like mediocrity is like death. Like, I mean, for me, in my mind, I was like, fuck, do I just want to? And I probably, for years, you know, I would come home from work and sit down and watch the news or sports or TV and just do that for the night. Like, I can't imagine doing that now. I mean, no. I do a little bit. I do Facebook and I, you know, maybe watch a show with the with the wife or whatever at night. But I can't. I'm, fucking glad i'm not dying that death <laughs> there's 24 hours in the day if, right before you start bitching about your life look where you're putting in the hours in. Right. that's what i had to do right very revealing you know yeah. by the way you can also work really hard at stupid shit which i also did it's a little embarrassing eventually i will go into like real detail about it so you can actually be a really hard worker too which i am and do it all the wrong, or not all the wrong way, but a lot of the wrong things and still not get the results you're right. looking for, too. So it's not just a matter of hard work. Right. It needs to be hard, smart work. <laughs> right. I did a lot of hard, dumb work for a long time, you yeah. know? I did a lot of hard, dumb work for other people. Oh, yeah. You know, made, I, I don't know how much I've made somebody else in my life, but that's why I want to, that's really the big reason of wanting to have my kids involved is so they know when they're, 18, 19, 20 and full of energy and, you know, ready to, to take down anything that needs to be taken down that they know that they don't have to go do that for somebody else. Go make somebody else a million bucks. And, you know, you're kind of struggling to put your shit together to, to pay stuff. It's like, I just, I, I really, for me, a lot of my driver is I want my, my girls, my boy, I want everybody to know, like, that you can do this. I'm going to provide you. You're going to have a lot of information at the end of this. You're going to probably have some, you know, some help, hopefully, you know, God willing, whoever. I don't, I just, I want them to know that that's there, that there are other, there are other things. You don't have to go to work for some, not that everything that I've done for somebody else has been horrible. I've made, I've made, decent money i've made good friends i've made you know, yeah where you're at they made business where you're working now made a lot of things possible for you right, right? right. you just weren't putting all your eggs in the basket with right. them which is your point oh I, I mean i i struggled for i'd say until probably 2009 or 10 really to just kind of make things to pay bills to 
you know, drive a car to put gas in it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't really until 2011, 12 that I started making a little bit closer to what I thought I was worth, you know, had a little bit more, pay some stuff down. Um, yeah, I just, if I, if I take all the energy and I look at all the energy I've had throughout my life and I look at where I've put it, I think, oh, I just need to put more into myself, into my business, yeah. into my kids and family and, I mean, myself. I tell people, at least good people, right, who work hard for their boss, a lot of those people, for some reason, can't go work hard for themselves or their family. There's nothing wrong with a job, people, but if you're putting in a good, honest day's work for your boss, that's a good thing, but you need to go home and put in another half day for you and your family. Right. That's really the bottom line, right? But that's actually cool. I was thinking about that. So three of your kids, or at least two, maybe three, remember the trailer? So they've Lily, seen the trailer. Lily, tra- Gabe, and Micah. Yeah. Or, so they- sorry, Lily, Gabe, and Wylan. So they've seen the trailer- to the 1500 square foot, to the wildberry, to the horse farm. They've right. seen the whole thing. Right. That's powerful. I, I hope so. From nothing to something, right? right? Like, in a lot of creative different ways of doing it, too. Right. Like, where dad to get the money? I got from here, and I got a loan, then I got a private lender, then I got a home equity line, then I got a land contract, and like, oh, they're, oh, now the horses are paying for the IC, so the horses could pay for the dream, and then the, right. There you go. Like, they're getting a lot of different ways to, to put something together. Right. And, you know, that's not the same picture I got. I mean, my dad worked his ass. I mean, worked probably 12 hours a day, six or seven days a week for a lot. I mean, not all my growing up. I mean, he was there. We had stuff. We had time. But he's still, I mean, he's 62 years old, works for Ford Motor Company, was working seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And like I just I can't see myself doing that. I don't have another twenty one years working for somebody else. There's yeah, no way. that's a long time. And not working like that. I mean, he's a he's still a beast. I can't believe it. I know he's a fine American. That's right. Just got to turn it around a little bit. And make make some more money for yourself, buddy. Right, right. I think there's a lot of people out there like that working their ass off, wondering why shit isn't going right when they just need to go. I need to take care of myself. Right. Like if you're. Put in a good day's work with your boss and then come home and put in another three, four hours for you and your family. Take Sunday off, too. You don't have to do it every day. I was fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, that maybe wasn't back. I'm not sure if back surgery was worth the trade-off, but I didn't know that's what I was doing. Right. I was just so sick of my position that I couldn't take it anymore, and I'm a man of extremes. (laughs) I'm going to do anything, motherfucker. I'm doing it all the way. Right, wrong, good, bad, successful, (laughs) unsuccessful. That's how I'm made. I'm yeah. in it. I'm a ride or die motherfucker. It did involve me dying a few times financially. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I checked that box, financial death. Huh. I'm going to check twice. this twice. <laughs> All right. Hopefully I don't have to do that one again. Yeah. Oh, let's make the second one more brutal than the first one. That's what yeah. I need. <laughs> well, we live in a, I mean, we kind of live in a different time too, where a lot of the my dad has worked for the company for 30 years. He'll have a retirement. He'll be taken care of. Not that anybody's supposed to do that, but there's not a lot. I, the company I work for, there's no way we could pay for the last guy who worked and retired. I mean, it's no. just not, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I mean, I, and 
I kind of feel like we, I, our generation maybe was at a transition where we saw like, oh, that's just what happens. You work for somebody, then you get taken care of, you know, until you die. That's actually a great point. When did you make, I could tell, I'll start. So even before I got into real estate, um, what was the name of that company, that big telecom company that failed? Fuck, what was the name? And then right behind it was the power company in California. Enron? Was that that Enron. Enron was one because they got fucked out of their – everybody got fucked out of their retirement because the Enron scam was we're going to pump and dump and we're going to pretend the power. We're going to shut the power off and then we're going to charge it at peak. It was some really corrupt, horrible shit, right? Buying all these options and fucking taxpayers out of them. But they were giving people retirements in their – basically fluffed up stocks that once it came out that it was all fraud went to zero and everybody got wiped. Right. Was it MCI telecom? Anyway, point being it was 2004 and five when this happened. And I saw that and I realized, I think the telecom got five cents on the dollar and Enron didn't even get that. Right. Yeah. Well, I got nothing. I remember working with some people whose spouses had that in their retirement. I noticed too, about three or four years after that, that's when I started seeing old people working at Starbucks and other yep. places too. And like it, I just couldn't imagine putting in an entire life somewhere and then you get five cents on the dollar, what you were promised. Right. That seemed brutal to me. Right. And yeah, you'd have to start over then too, but a lot of people don't start over. They're just done. Right. Right. And if you're 80, what do you do? What do you do to start over? Shit, depending right. on your disabilities or what you can and still can't do, yeah. right? Or your skills, right? Like learn to code. Ha ha fucking joke, right? Like right. <laughs> coal miner's going to learn to code, right? Like just total just retarded shit. Right. Never going to work. Right. Kind of talking down to people too, exactly. I think. Really condescending, Absolutely. right? Like it's your fucking fault. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm like, no, whatever I do, and I didn't even know it was going to be real estate then. Whatever I do, I need to make sure... I have a backup plan. Right. Do you remember that moment for yourself? Uh, I, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, I took a layoff in 2000. I think it was right after we bought the white Lake house. So end of 2006, 2007. Well, that'll pucker your ass, right? Right after you get a mortgage. I remember coming home and telling Diana, like I was in tears. Like what the fuck? I had been there for, at that point, twelve years at the or ten or yeah, ten or so years, and I thought I'm just gonna do this. Everything's gonna go into place, and someday, you know, I, I didn't even I didn't have a plan for my my future at that point. It was like we bought a house, this our family. Okay, this is what we have. At that point, I was like, "Fuck, nobody's gonna do this. Nobody's if I can't." If I can't count on the company that I'm working for now to like have work, yeah. What can I count on? I mean, at that point, it was like it was, it was brutal. I did, I did have some profit sharing that the company had dispersed. I mean, I had some money, some I had unemployment for a few months, but there was a big like oh shit moment, and it it probably safety it went line on, cut it went on for years. I mean, it went on for. You know, how, what do I do? How do I make this work to kind of seeing like, 
okay, I, I see real estate prices are down. I see, you know, I, I know people, my, my mom and stepdad had had rentals when I was younger. They had, knew a guy who had a bunch of rentals. So I knew, like, I knew people were doing it. And I'd reach out, like, once a year to this guy, Paul, who, um, who was the guy that I knew that had rentals. And I'd say, like, hey, like, I, I see, I, I'm literally seeing houses where the payments are, like, payment on that house is going to be 250 bucks like what's rent 600 because i had no idea i'm like that's 400 bucks i could i could do that i could start doing that and then it wasn't till 2012 where we we moved i actually probably by all rights should have just stayed at my house and then bought a shit ton of forty thousand dollar houses but we moved and then i got stuck with the rental like okay well can't, it might not be the worst thing in the world. The cash flow is not there necessarily, but at some point it's going to be paid off. I'm not going to be making the majority of the payment, and at the end it's going to be worth, I don't know, what's it going to be worth in 20 years? Even if it didn't go up in value at all, they would eventually, you'd get the forced depreciation just through pay down, right? Right, So right. Pay down on the note. A lot of people don't think about that too. Right. Now that I'm older, I'm going to sound like the old guy. If you're the young guy, a rental sounds like it is like the least sexy thing you can do. It's like taking home the chubby girl who's a really good cook, right? Maybe a smart idea, but not the most exciting thing in the world <laughs> to do, right? But everybody I know who can do that and has done that have completely blown me out of the water, even though I'm probably up to something like – 650, 700 transactions over what, 12, 13 years. Think about that. People who've done a fraction of the number of transactions. What was the difference? They just held. Right. They just held. They were patient. They, they, they did, they did different things. It's impossible not to notice. It's hard to sell though, right? Here's some suffering. Eh, this year it worked out. Ugh. Next year you got fucked. Oh, this year it worked out. Now yeah. we're going to fuck you for two years. Like right. that's a hard sell. And I'm yeah. just going to keep struggling here. But then life goes on. You blink. We smash Wildberry. We smash even the, uh, I'm going to come back to you and take it back. I've been giving Tome shit for two years now in weird two bedroom basements in Waterford or White Lake. You can't even walk into, but you made a shit ton of money off a couple of those too. Yeah. So it took some weird opportunity and made some money off it. So even if you do something weird, you can profit and make some money off of it. Doesn't have to be the standard thing either. Yeah. So I'm officially rescinding the amount of jokes and shit I gave you about it. <laughs> well, the the weird ones were more about the opportunity being there. Like I didn't see a, any options for me to pick up a three, you know, the three bedroom, two bath with a basement, and a garage. I didn't see it, but I saw that I, if if everything works out, I'm going to make. 10 or 15 it's not and it's not the biggest deal but two of those a year with my income you know it adds a bit i mean i can then i can i have this chunk of money i can either pay down more debt or i can put it towards more real estate usually i've been trying to put it into different you know more real estate but i and for a long time i was looking at rentals like this is just what i'm going to do i'm going to stack these deep i'm going to collect my money now it's like I don't know. I'm getting really nervous about the cities getting involved and, and not even that I have anything to worry about. Like I, I'll get my rental inspection. I'll do the shit I need to do. But now you see other play you see out in Oregon, they're doing yeah. rent control. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with it. You know, what's hilarious about that is, um, was it MIT? 
MIT did like a decade long study on rent control in New York City and basically proved that it made everything worse. It just goes to show you that most people don't look to evidence before they make their decisions, right? right? Regardless of how you feel about it one way or another. I know I certainly didn't look at evidence when I say it's going to fuck it up. It's just going to. Yeah. Everything. I'm going to say everything the government touches. It fucks up. It does. It does. It does. Well, they especially like to come after landlords too. Right. Right. And Michigan. Okay. So if you're not in Michigan, this might not make sense because they don't do this everywhere. Right. So for those who aren't in Michigan. So in Michigan, property taxes, they charge landlords about 33% more in property tax for the same property simply because they are a landlord, right. right? You don't get the homestead exemption. This is the state of Michigan, right? So I think it's funny they decide to charge the people who weren't. Because if you think the landlord pays that, you're a fool. That cost gets passed on to the renter, right? Absolutely. Landlord's costs go up. Renter's costs go up. Right. You know, that's why rent control doesn't work and you end up living in a fucking slum right. in New York City, right? Yeah. That's sure. why. You're right? only paying $600 a month, but. For a reason. Right. Yeah. If you think you're going to get something in Manhattan or, you know, New York City. Got a City bargain. A bargain. You and the roaches. Right. <laughs> and the rats. I, I just. Investors are smart. They don't think like normal people. They're not going to incur the damages. I mean, no. they're never going to. But do what you want. Tax them. Whatever. I've already decided. They're going to figure out the, the way around it. I'm skipping. Once I got everybody right from my last debacle, I'm skipping single family home rentals and I'm going right to apartments for several reasons. One of them being I was a worse than normal landlord. Frankly, <laughs> it's funny how the things that make me so good at what I can do so well that I'm proud of are actually like, it's like an, it's like swimming with an anchor when you're trying to be a lad. Like I'm so <laughs> poorly suited to that line of work. And I was like, I need to just do what Josh Sterling did and buy an apartment with 50 or no, I think I've been lying now. I just did one with Grant Warrington. Anyway, it's like 80 or 90 units and you could afford to pay somebody to be there and do it full time. Right. I just need to go right to that. Like know thyself at yeah. this point. But another reason is why when you're putting in an apartment, you're doing an apartment, it's different with the city. You have power. Right. As a single family home landlord, even if you have 200 of them, you have no power. Right. No negotiation, no nothing. You're at their mercy. Yep. Right. So if Detroit decides it wants to start allowing renters to escrow rent, which they do. Right. They will. And I decided I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. So yeah. along with my, my weaknesses. So yeah, Detroit has convinced me through their policy changes not to invest long term. Now that might be stupid. And I think it is stupid because <clears throat> I know where Detroit's going to go. Right. But I also don't want the hassle. Right. Right. Now I some agree. people like Todd and Tommy, they're like, fucking bring it on. We're all about hassle. Right. I know the more hassle, the thinner the market's going to get. And we'll just buy them cheaper, right. which I love that too. There's right. not a damn thing wrong with that. Uh, and that's why I have the one yeah. that I have under management is with them because I yep. know they're going to deal with it. They're going to do the things that need to get done. Yeah. They took care of the rental inspection in Waterford. Uh, you know, I paid for the work. They had somebody there with the inspector. I, that's, I just don't want to do it. Yeah. I also I don't, don't like the government telling me how to spend my fucking money. Right. I don't want to make this an anarchist podcast here at the end, but we brought it up. I'm just going to say it. When you're investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in an area and the government approaches the investor like you're the bad guy. Right. How do you think Detroit got so shitty, folks, here? You know, it's like right. 
what's the dip? Why can you drive eight miles and it's significantly better? Right. You think the people are any different or you think it might be the government is shitty, right? Yeah, there you go. So yeah. Uh, How we chased away all the socialists yet? Do we want to talk about, uh, Keep going. Let's fucking keep Let's going. Keep going, yeah. Are you still listening, socialist? You commie fucks. Yeah. Move on and fuck up some other country. Well, I I kind of look at it like go to your Venezuela paradise. Yeah. Not even dogs is. to eat anymore. North Korea, Venezuela. <laughs> there you go. Right. Nobody's I shouldn't laugh. It's a fucking human tragedy. It's a fucking but human tragedy. At the same time. But hey, three or four years ago, we were pointing down there and be like, "Hey, is this working? Yeah. Yeah, it's working still. Yeah." Is, is How's it working now? One guy running for president claiming that Venezuela is a, you know, a socialist paradise. Oh, yeah, he is. It's a socialist paradise, all right. Right. And the same way socialism is a paradise, paradise of hell. I just look at it like you've got this big, this big entity, government, whatever. I mean, if you look at the way they spend money, like if you took the national budget and you like squished it down to a personal budget – I mean, we owe I, – I, I don't even know how the numbers work, but if, I think if I was in that position, like, I had that much debt, had – you know, I'm not making money. I'm kind of taking it from everybody. I think I'd be a little bit nervous about my position. Like I would. You know. I like how math doesn't apply to a government, but it applies to an individual. And the thing that you could never do as an individual is absolutely the answer as a government, right? Right, right. Oh, I can't afford any of my bills and everybody's coming for money. I guess I'll declare bankruptcy. Government, we just need to borrow more money. Right. We'll just spend more money. They'll just give we'll print more money. Right. I that I don't understand. I could disagree on what to pay for and whatnot, but I know what you shouldn't do. Right. Rack up a bunch of credit card bills. Right. That just seems obvious to me. I mean, in two thousand nine my pay went like I was about half what I had made the year before. Whoa. And right. Well, that's rough. Fucking didn't have cable. Nope. Kept a cell phone just because I had to. Why did the government just give you more money so you could have still had cable? Why didn't I just go take it from the guy down the street who still had a job? Yeah. Because it's theft. Asshole. (laughs) There's all these other people doing well. They should pay more my cable. Like, how'd you make it without cable, Tomes? I know. Jesus. The humanity. The problem, they they screwed themselves because they couldn't afford cable. And you know what? I never went back. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody else did either. Cable's dying on the vine, right? Oh yeah, what? YouTube it, baby. You ever go to Drudge Report? I do it occasionally, and I just all I do is look at because they always put the number of listeners who listen to the TV news, and you know what? It's less than Joe Rogan podcast. Wow, there you go. I do like the Joe Rogan podcast. I, I totally understand why. Well, this whole podcast is a homage to the Joe Rogan podcast. He's a very sensible so. man, and I like his ability to listen. Well, that's why I do the do it conversationally too, and and do it the way I do. I I just love how he does it, which is why I do it. That's why I keep it conversational too. But just to show you how poorly things are going, a guy with a podcast is getting more listens than anybody right on news right by a lot. It's not even fucking close. And it's the weird thing is, is it's long form. I know some of them are four hours long. Right. And I listen to them. Yeah. TV, 22 minutes with eight minutes of commercials. They don't think people have the attention span for that. <sighs> That's such a funny thing. We've proven them wrong. Well, yeah, they got to sell at, commercials. At That's what they got to do. People, right. <laughs> However many people listen to Joe Rogan have proven that. Yeah. That gone. And he sells plenty of shit too in the first six minutes of his podcast, right. but then you get four hours and not having to listen to it, which right. is beautiful too. Right. So that, that is why I do this. So 
things are definitely changing, um, which I actually think is good. Yeah. It has to change. Right. right? And if I'm going to talk about shitty socialism, what I'm going to throw in is how fucked the poor are, which is what kills me. Anytime you raise the price on anything, the first person you're fucking is the person who can't afford it. Right. So I don't understand why we would ever make policies that purposely, purposely affected the poor disproportionately. So even like that just, and then you claim you're fucking helping them, right? Right. You're not helping them though, making all their shit more expensive, right? right? More expensive gas is not going to help somebody. No. Barely putting gas in their tank now. Yeah. They're making $1,500 a month and you just increase the cost of their gas by 10%. They got a real fucking problem, right? A real problem, not a false problem. Nobody going to come hug them to sleep at night. How they get to work. It's crazy, man. Don't fuck poor people. That's how you get yeah. me on. Whatever your plan is, it shouldn't involve fucking poor people. Right. Right off and the I bat. And I had to make I when we when we had that when we were poor, I mean, we didn't I said we canceled cable, but we canceled health insurance. And went years without health ins- health insurance. Dude, I didn't have because any health that insurance. Or house. Yep. That or my house. I got health insurance now though. Help me. I know. That was the best I part. Had it now. 2017. <laughs> I got back on the grid. <laughs> Baby's back. I got life insurance, health insurance. Shit. I, I had, I'll say my back surgery I got last year. I couldn't even believe it. Henry Ford. Like the last time I had back surgery, I was poor as fuck. Now I got like good health insurance and like, I couldn't believe what I got. It was amazing. Best experience I ever had. That was, I couldn't believe the care and the professionalism and all that. It was amazing. So right. I'm liking being plugged back into the grid. Yeah, it's good for something. Even though it cost me twice as much as it should have, but right. at least I could afford it now, right. which thank Jesus, you know? Yeah. I said yeah, that now. Disproportionately affecting the poor. I mean, yeah. we're not going to feel as many hits now as, you know, we would have when we were 20, but. I'm going to throw, I'm going to turn this around though. I'm grateful for how. They kicked me in the dick so hard so many times. I really appreciate it because it's set in my head. Part of that when I got tired, when I was disgusted with my life and what I'd done and how I got myself in this position. And the, I made plenty of errors, but I also made several mistakes too, which is why I understand the difference between an error and a mistake, yeah. right? Um, I made several mistakes and I'm still paying for a lot of them, but the way I look at it is not only is it my Harvard education or MIT or PhD, right? right. Which is how I kind of uh, rationalize it. It completely changed my outlook on everything <clears throat> forever. Yeah. I decided not one second more am I going to feel sorry for myself. Right. Not one second more am I going to put my future in somebody else's hands. It That's just switched on to me. Be in, right? I don't know if I would have got there if I hadn't have been so low. Right. No car. About to lose your property to um, tax foreclosure. Friends and family think you're a piece of shit. Nobody likes you. You have nothing. The first uh, nine months of wholesaling, I didn't even have a car. I had to drive around with Steve and do all that shit. If it didn't fucking suck so bad, I'm not sure it would have put such a indelible imprint on my mind. But now I can remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. And it was like literally like a switch flipping. I was like, why am I feeling sorry for myself? I'm like, no more. Done. Check that box. And then I realized the false promises of those who are quote unquote helping me. <laughs> <laughs> I got to remember that. You know how you know you're getting fucked? 
even if they don't say take one for the team, but anybody who tells you take one for the team, you're 100% getting <laughs> fucked. That's what they tell you so you can feel good about getting fucked, right? I got a lot of that. Yeah. So I checked I checked that box and I learned. Yeah. Well, it's the you know necessity is the mother of invention. Like you weren't going to live like that forever. No. It was a necessity that you changed. And well, Gina you know. too. Getting married for me was like being responsible for yourself is one thing. Yeah. But being responsible for someone else and a future family and what you promise you're going to do and deliver right. and all that. I don't think I'd be doing any of this if it wasn't for Gina, yeah. right? I'd probably be fishing and hunting somewhere. Yeah. My beard would be 10 times longer. <laughs> I'd probably be even more curmudgeonly. <laughs> right. It, it is. It's amazing too, because I, the same thing, you know, where I probably could have survived. I mean, a, a million different things, living, going to work, doing a normal thing, like providing a decent living, but having, knowing that you're responsible at least for putting some ideas in the next generation for me was, that was pretty big because it's too, it's too late for me to change that for me. Like I can't go back to when I was 20, 22 years old and you can never go like a robot, you know, I can't go back, but you know what? My 17 year old, when he's like, Hey, do you got another house coming? Like when he's like, Hey, what podcast do you listen to? You know, What's wholesaling? What's mm. how can mm. how can I get involved? Let me tell you, dude. Yes, yes. At seventeen, yeah, keep going, keep doing that. that you know how much good. energy you got? They got such a head start. That's amazing thing, yeah. man. I didn't even. I'm gonna just tell it. Like, I won't even consider myself an adult till I was 33. I'm just gonna say it like that. That's when at first, like finally, like the adult in my head kind of kicked in, where I was like, oh shit. Oh yeah. They get to do it like fifth, almost like what? 15 years earlier than yeah. me. Like that's, that's an amazing advantage. Right. What if I knew this shit when I was 18? Oh yeah. I wouldn't have been any smarter, but I would have had a better path you forward. Right. Way, right. way better path forward. Yeah. I'll agree. I'd say 30, 33. Yeah. That was when adulthood started, even though, I mean, like I said, I was a dad at 17. Then we had, you know, the Diana and I got together and I had three and, two, then three, then like that wasn't really adulthood. That wasn't really, you know, the things that you, the, the shit that has to finish building in your brain, like didn't stop for me. And I mean, it's not stopped now, but I'm not there yet there either. I'm just more there. Definitely weren't connected <laughs> no. until thirties. <30s. laughs> uh, I had that chip on my shoulder in a bad way for too long too. Like in the ego driven way. Now it's just more like, fuck you. Watch me do it. Yeah, yeah. I read every time I read my, um, I don't know why I'm so petty like this, but I almost every day I go through all my, uh, listing feedback and you know what they always say, right? Price is too high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah. Watch me get it. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like that, but like when you're talking about Diana, I am 100% like that. Watch me do it. Yeah. yeah. I'll be like, Oh, I, I look through my listing feedback. I'm like, Oh, they don't like it. Oh shit. It's never going to sell. Oh, yeah. oh, we, oh, we got an offer. My favorite is when I get even more than I thought I was going to get yeah. when I was already going for a lot. <laughs> I was like, you're never going to get that. Watch me. Yeah. Yeah. You said people in 2016 call and tell me I was never going to get it. And I just, they don't do that anymore. I think yeah. they got the picture. He's probably so. going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the only one getting it either. A lot of people are, 
But uh, the market's obviously a lot better. But yeah, I'm like that too. It drives me nuts. I'm like, mm, watch, watch me. I think that might have been why I didn't quit RDI too. People talk shit about it, and that, frankly, it was a bad meeting for a long time. I still think it was better than some, but it took me a while to figure out what I was doing. I was romantic and in love with a lot of my ideas, and a lot of people didn't like my ideas. And when I finally put it together, um, do what they want and what adds value to them. Yeah. And then you'll actually get what you want, which is more than 35 people at a meeting. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about the current 150 to 175 That's I'm getting. It's pretty intense, but I definitely wanted more than 35. Yeah. Right. The 35 was very intimate. Like, you know, I, it was, the room was small and like very dense with, with, uh, with sharks, with killers, with really smart people with, you know, Mosiers and Londos and, you know, Jeff Rabinowitz and people that I still look up to. I'm like, wow, they, they know a lot of shit. Um, and not that those people aren't still around, but it's a lot less dense now. Oh yeah, dude. It's that one meeting where it was 178 people. It was the one you didn't come to. I wish you would have come to it. Not just because it would have been great to see it. It was fucking nuts. I looked nuts. for it on Facebook and I couldn't find the video because I was going to search out the one specific spot. Oh, I'll, okay. I'll find it and I'll send it to you. Okay. All right. Send me a text if I don't. I might forget. <laughs> I, I, this, this has been a... Crazy week for me. Fucking batteries dying. Every, like a lot of things have gone wrong this week. So text me if I forget, but I will send it to you. Anyway, that was so intense. Like I almost felt like I couldn't hold the room together. It was so fucking loud. I do love the energy though. Yeah. I am going to say that when you walk in as intimidating as it could be, it also has this amazing energy when you walk in. So right. it's not just a bad thing. It was just, I never thought I would be in that kind of position. It is overwhelming sometimes when you get up there and you're like, Jesus, that's a lot of fucking people and they don't want to be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the amount of deals that are coming through now again. So many. Of, yeah. They didn't dry up, but they just kind of, they were kind of fizzled a little bit. Now it's like, there's a shit ton of deals in there. Right? That's why I think this year might even be better than last year. Right. We kind of have, cause we have Crazy. a little bit more inventory yeah. than we had the year before, but we still got some gas in the tank on prices. So despite what I said in 2018, I think 2019 is going to be the year because now we have more. The prices finally got so high that people who couldn't sell for 10 or 12 years are finally selling. Right. So right. we're getting a little bit more. And that just creates more opportunities for flippers, wholesalers, landlords yep. that weren't there last year. Yeah. So I think 2019 is going to be good. Despite we got a strong start too, second week of January right off the bat going. So I stand corrected on that. All right, we're at two and a half hours. Now that's, I'm just going to turn it over to you. <laughs> I'm going to turn it over to you. You are looking to buy flips in North Oak, White Lake? White Lake, Waterford, Milford, Highland. I started to look into Pontiac a little bit for buy and holds. Um, You're looking for single family? Single family. Self-storage? Looking for self-storage. Anything else? No, I think if the right multifamily came along, I'd consider it. But I'm less less excited about the residential and the and the people renting renters. Not that it's horrible. Just once I started looking to looking into some of the other things that are out there, like the lien laws for self storage. Like you don't pay, you get out. That is that, a huge advantage. It makes a lot of sense to me because. 
I mean, I personally, I, and I've always, if I can't pay for it, why am I going to get the service? Like I've always been pretty frugal minded. I've always put my money where I wanted it. And if I couldn't put it somewhere, I don't expect something for it. So that makes sense to me, but it's also, it's saturated with other people like me who are like, what's the next thing? Not as many, right? It takes longer to find them. A lot more single family them. homes than yep, there are yep. self storage. I'm not out of that game. I mean, I still, I still like flipping. I still like, you know, finding something that's that's rough and kind of bringing it back to life. You know, the one that I'm working on now, it was, a, you know, old lady owned it. She had passed away. Her kids took it over. There was like generations of stuff in this house. That's cool. You've been sending those pictures. That's that's pretty. There's neat stuff in there, but it's also. You should do blog posts on that. It's also very sad. Like, it is. Seeing. Have you ever was, thrown away wedding photos? I've thrown away pictures that I thought somebody took this picture and somebody cherished it. I actually got a text from the guy last week that said, my sister left her christening dress or what, something in the house can she come get it? And I was like, dude, the house is empty. And I knew while throwing some of the stuff away, like, yeah, what can you do though, man? Somebody loved this and I'm just putting it in a dumpster that my mom came and she's going to help me eBay some stuff, but unfortunately not the dress, but, and it, it's sad, but at the same time, you're kind of removing all that clutter, all that junk, all that built up, like wasted space going to freshen it up and a new family is going to be able to come in and make that space theirs. It's, it's kind of, it's like romantic to me, like, you know, taking something that's somebody abused and, or somebody's not using, you know, somebody kind of ignored and making it useful again, you know, that is a little romantic. Kinda yeah. The green, you know, the kind of the green in me, like, I don't know. It's, you know, reusing it kind of in an essence. Yeah, I've thrown away wedding photos. That was probably uh one of the the saddest things. There's been a lot of uh a lot of sad things. I found a lot of dead pets and houses too. Uh, you do seven hundred plus deals, you just like numbers. No dead body yet. Oh, that's good. No dead I can't believe I haven't run into a human yet. I've run into a few <laughs> live humans which have surprised me in houses. I remember the one that Dude, I'll tell that story real quick. So we were in this piece of shit house in Warrendale in the basement. It's so dark you can't see, and there's fucking garbage everywhere. And I already know it's not a deal, but I'm already here, so I might as well finish up the photos. And we take the photos. We get out. We go do several appointments. I go back, download the photos. I don't even know why I'm keeping them, but that's just part of the process. We keep every damn thing we have, so I know whatever house forever and ever and ever and ever. Right? I got pictures on thousands of houses at this point and i don't know why i can't delete them but i still have them and i was going back through the pictures in the basement there was a guy sitting on the ground half covered in garbage bags eyes kind of half shut from the flash he could have reached out and touched me oh that's nuts didn't even see him (laughs) didn't even see him that's scary I don't do that anymore. Yeah, when I go on those dark bay, I got the flashlight on. I'm looking at every little dent. Realtor, realtor, investor, just looking at the house. You know, but I've had some scary things, but no dead bias, but a lot of uh, makes me sick, especially as much as I love my dogs and my animals, but a lot of dead animals. Yeah. I haven't found that. Syringes. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of my rentals had to clear out 30 yards of crap, and I'll, you know. Found a lot of syringes. A lot of human uh, 
human suffering that we kind of clean up and get it back on the market. Get it back on the market. That's kind of a new family can start a new life in it, right? Right. Right. Then they can leave four generations of shit for, you know, <laughs> for my, somebody else for my to pick up. Grandkids to come and clean up. <laughs> that's what my that's what my grandma did. Man, they get weird sometimes when they get old. Yeah, yeah. She had multiple storage units. Yeah. Would you tell me ten percent of like Americans have stuff? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what yeah. I like to hear. Eight or nine square feet per. Uh, there you go. Per person. Be American. We're at ten percent. <laughs> we should have twenty percent Americans doing this. Well, you right. also have a horse farm. I know you're booked up now. This is true. But you do do horse boarding. Yep. Horse training. My wife does horse training. People training, people too, training. if you're interested yep. in the people horse thing. Yep. So you got lots of options here. Yeah. Anything I left out on that? or No. Let, well, the new, the new kind of sexy thing is the uh, she's working, I guess, with the uh, Bureau of Land Management. And not like she's not singled out. It's not just her. Uh, working in the tip program, um, which basically a, a trainer goes and takes a horse that, and I, I, I hate to get into the, like the politicals of it, but they, they have to round up the horses. Yes. I mean, it's just, it's well, maybe of, people don't know there are millions of wild horses. Is it millions? It's probably, yeah. A wild horses in America and it's in competition with beef with beef. Right. And a lot of these, a lot of this federal land is leased to, Beef grazers, right? Some sheep, right? But mostly beef, and there's a competition, and there's no market for eating horse meat here, right? Except at zoos, apparently. Oh, really? That's what I hear. I did not know that. But I don't know that the BLM <laughs> would sell horse meat to I zoos. Think they used to. I think they used to export horse meat to foreign markets, but well, that Aldi thing where all that horse meat ended up went in Poland, and they mixed all the horse meat in with the beef, and that's how the Aldi horse meat ended up through the whole Aldi commercial chain so yeah. yeah it's on the menu some places it is on the menu someplace not here not here and they're in direct competition with a multi-billion with the dollar are on the menu. industry <laughs> which are on the menu so they, and nobody rides horses anymore right, so right so they they round them up they hold them in a facility um they they try to adopt them out they you can adopt it as a as a person you can go there and adopt a horse um a lot of times most people don't want to get a horse that's never been touched. It's, it's a different, it's a different thing. It's different. Even their breeding is like different because they're not, we've bred horses for thousands of years to be intelligent as far as we consider it, the, you know, intelligent where we can train them to do what we want. These ones are basically trained, you know, in the, in the market of, of, uh, Staying Horse alive. Interactions right, <laughs> staying alive. Running from things trying to eat it. Right. They're bred totally different and working with them, with them is different. So it makes sense to they hire trainers and I Diana won't admit it to most people, but I think she's brilliant. I think, you know, she's got away with, with horses and understands cues and knows, you know, when to approach and when to back off. But anyways, I digress. She's doing the, the tip program where she takes a horse and gets it trained and, and adopts it out. So that's really, I think that's the part that she's really keen on right now. She loves doing it. It's, you know, kind of for a, a good cause to get these horses someplace where they're not going to disturb the beef. And, you know, so somebody can enjoy them. I enjoy them. I think it's it's been cool to watch. So, Well, 
there's a little ceremony too. You got to get close enough to get the tag off to give it back, right? Right. So they put a tag, a metal. When I say tag, it's like a metal. It's a piece of tin. I don't know how don't they know. do it, but yeah, it's just it's a placard. No, it's like a, a placard. Almost. Yeah, it's a rope harness. I think it's like a plastic tag, but it's got a metal uh, bracket of or whatever. She has to physically it. get it off the horse. Right. And a certain amount of time frame too, right? Like she's on a clock. We to have a certain... 90 days from yeah. the time we pick him up. So this is like no joke. Like this horse is going to be something not good at some point if like – so she's doing a really good thing. They're right. getting a second chance at right. things they wouldn't necessarily get a second chance at. Right. So it's a good thing. I did I a bunch agree. of that with dogs. Horses are a lot bigger though. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean part of that breeding and that them – breeding to stay alive is not interacting with humans. Yeah. I mean, humans, they're bad. They right, hunt us. They right. scare us. They round us up. And they they shoot us at up. us. <laughs> they cut our, you know, nothing good. They, they neuter us. <laughs> <laughs> Take my balls. They, yeah. <laughs> stay oh, away. That's gotta be yeah. in their mind. They gotta be like, Oh, it looks like the, what are you doing? The scissors. I'm going to use that. No, 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 no. I need it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but it is a very good thing she's doing. And, uh, I'm wish more people were doing it. Let me, I didn't even realize either till like ten years ago that that was even a problem. Right. You know. Yeah. You I don't knew, think of it living I knew in they cities. Existed, you know? but I didn't know. I'm, it's a lot. Yeah. Maybe I, I might have overspoke at millions, but it, it's a, it's hundreds of thousands yeah. for sure. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of wild horses because we got a lot of open land and horses like that shit. Right. And there's not as many natural predators as there were right. before too because we killed them all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Almost right. Right. Yeah, chase down a horse too. Even a bear has a hard time with that. Right. It's not oh, yeah. like an elk. So, well, let's mention your kids too. All right. Because you think they'll listen to this, or they're gonna be too fucking bored? Uh, maybe I'll make them listen to it. I'll make them listen. Make to them. It. Uh, hey, kids, we're gonna go work in a house. Let's listen to this podcast. Well, well, <laughs> say, let, say hi to everybody so they can hear their names on the podcast. All right. We'll start with the oldest, and maybe it's not gonna be as exciting for you, Wyland, but. <laughs> Here I am on the podcast mentioning your name. So she's off in uh, Grand Rapids now. She's she's an adult doing adult stuff, working at a. She's an engineer. Mm. Um, Gabe, I was an engineer too. What's she doing? She uh, she was getting ready to go back to school for environmental engineering. Oh wow! Okay. And she took a job. She started off at Wayne State as a um, mechanical or. It's hard to follow with her. She was mechanical, maybe mechanical, electrical, uh, dropped out, decided she was going to do the the different path and try to be a waitress. And I think that was, she knows better. Brutal. (laughs) Brutal. Yeah. (laughs) So she actually, she started an internship uh, about a year ago with a, uh, I want to say it's an Italian company somewhere in Lansing terrible with with uh with the details <laughs> i don't even know where lansing is it's dead to me it's not southeast <laughs> michigan is that in michigan isn't there I a state so. capital there i think so i think but it's michigan so. we don't need it <laughs> she's gonna move out well good for you for getting back into it that's some serious business over there yeah, so yeah that'll pay better and probably be a little bit more fulfilling than being yeah, a waitress not right, that there's anything right. wrong with that not, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, somebody needs to to do it, right? Yeah, that's yeah. good. It's a good starting job for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. All right, who's next? Uh, so Gabe, Gabe is our basketball uh, our basketball player. He's playing for one of the we homeschool our kids too. So he's playing on a homeschool basketball team in Lapeer. 
and he is going to school. He's doing some classes at the uh, Oakland Technical Center, or whatever they call it now, uh, doing some robotics and electronics. That's some cool shit. So he's geeked in that. He also he's he likes the idea of houses. I think he's the closest to the age where that's going to be a possibility for him very soon. So well, he has a girlfriend too. He's I know you got man. You have a girlfriend. You got to make money. That's the right. two go hand that's in right. hand. You know. <laughs> I'd like when I got, I remember when I got my first girlfriend, like, Oh, I got it. That's when I started my lawn business, you know, like something I had to give, you know, right, need some right, resources. Right. Good on you, Gabe. Keep yeah, it up, man. There you go. Yeah. Lily is our musician. Oh yeah. Slash. Now she's really been studying. We have a, a so creative, so creative. She is. She's our, she's our artist all around, but, um, also she's been studying, uh, training birds because one of our neighbors is getting rid of a macaw. So wow. Lily has immersed herself in the bird training studies for the last few months. Dude, and, that's uh, cool. So she's she sent me some videos down at the neighborhood <laughs> getting the bird to step up and you know That's the lady, awesome. The lady's been kind of afraid of it cuz they're, you know, well, yeah. they bite your finger off. That's no so joke. Say, right, that beak is that is no joke. Google it if you don't know. Like yeah. you're like, what are you talking about, Makai? Yeah, Google it. You're yeah. gonna take one look and go, yeah, be careful. Right. Be Snatch careful. your eye. <laughs> like anything. It's gotta be. Yeah. yeah. So that's Lily. Lily's the musician. Now she's uh, working on the bird training. Um, Micah is next in line. She's eleven. Ish. Oh, I'm gonna think about this for a minute. She's twelve. You she's do have six. Now. We'll cut you some slack. <laughs> uh she is she's our little uh, protege horse trainer. She's actually going to be competing in the uh they have a kids level tip training deal where we go pick out a a, a young horse and they work with them for 3 months and then they have a competition to see who was able to do I don't know what they what they're going to do but she'll be competing down in Texas and or sorry Ooh. Kentucky in August. So She's a little. She's our little horse trainer. She's got the follows mom's cues. Has a real natural ability to to see when to apply pressure and when to withdraw, which is important, I guess, for training. So I hear. I love. Her. She has so much energy. Like I love it. She. I don't, not really a tomboy, but tomboyish. Tomboyish. Right. Ish. Like not not, but like a ton of energy. So much fun outside playing with them, running around, yeah. climbing the tree when you're jumping the hit, like just tons and tons of energy. So much fun to be around. If I did have to pick one of my kids who was probably going to knock a dude out, it's going to be Micah. I put money on her. She's <laughs> very um, confident too. She is. Yeah. She is. Way more confident than I was at I, that age. Dude, I was not even close. Yeah. Not even close. Uh, I didn't even have false confidence till like no, 16. Right. Seven. <laughs> And it wasn't even the real deal. Right. It was mostly was, testosterone. Right. And got a car, got a job. I got stuff. Fuck it, I got anything. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Mom, Dad, you don't know shit. <laughs> you did know shit. Yeah. <laughs> now I guess they did know some stuff. Right. Brody. Brody's going to be our – he's our little entrepreneur. He's been trying to figure out, like, what can he buy cheap and sell more expensive and uh, – trying to let him do that now he's he's been excited because i've started paying him for doing some of the work around the house so he's he likes money that's his i like MO. money too yeah so brody he's he likes fishing too out. he likes fishing he was trying to convince me yesterday to take him down to the boat launch i know 
dude, it's I like I like it when it's like seventy five, eighty degrees, sun's out, and I'm like, it's too cold, man. It's like no, it's not. He loves fishing. Yeah, loves well, fishing. there will be more fishing, Brody. Promise. Yeah. <laughs> I, the back surgery. I know it's a long time for a kid to wait, but we're going to make that happen more well, we often. Got the robo, I promise. The yeah. robo to be ready to stick in. So I know by the time summer actually gets here, I'll be. I'm already in. I did okay. I went fishing with Ryan. I did four or five hours. It wasn't terrible. That was ice fishing. That's... That that was that was a brutal day. It yeah. was so windy. We were like putting our arms out, and it was blowing us across the ice. It That's was, crazy. Yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't come. I thought about it when I got there. I was like, he would fucking hate me forever if I actually <laughs> convinced him to come this time. I used to ice fish when I was yeah. like. 13, 14. It was like, a bad day for it, but it was fun. I've never I caught a great time. fishing. That's why it's like, eh, you're just. Well, Ryan Breen, too, off. is a badass to hang out around with. Like, he goes to meetings and he doesn't say much, but like, he knows what's going on. He's fun. He's fun to chat with. And he, him and his brothers, they fucking know their fishing shit, man, yeah. like down. So we didn't catch anything that day, but we had a blast. It was an absolute fun. And, uh, Brody's really in the fishing. Yeah. So he just, like, he probably early last year was like, Let's do this. Which I'm really into fishing too, yeah. so I dig that the most. Yep. He got a cool new tackle box too for Christmas. Yep. I remember Brody. I remember. That was all of his that was all of his wishes. I want a cast net. I want lures. I want the tackle box. You got it. And now you hey, now you're gonna start working for it. So <laughs> that's a good lesson to learn too. Absolutely. You can get more of what you want with work. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I, I mean Or at least more of what you want. Right. I think it'll help help you discern like what's really important. What do you want to buy? That's what's in, I mean, do you want to spend five dollars on a lure? Is it that important? I for me, that's that was uh, those are good lessons. Like, what's important? What am I gonna? What am I gonna? Because my my money and his money, he'll spend my money on a five dollar lure. Amazingly, that yeah. Right. Which, by the way, the answer is yeah. Buy the five dollar. I don't have. <laughs> I'm on the other side of this. It's shiny. I'll take 10. Right. <laughs> I'll catch fish on this thing. I've left hundreds, probably thousands of dollars of lures at the bottoms of big Western uh, fast moving rivers, which are all rock, by the way. You have no idea how lucky you are in Michigan, folks. Like I've lost so little like actual tackle here. Like Michigan's like the perfect sportsman hunter. My They're my enemy. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't fly guy. fish, although Ryan said he's going to. Teach me. Trying to cast under the branches. Of <laughs> Didn't work. Area across. No. Yeah, I've lost some shit in trees too. Yeah. It happens. Or bass fishing, you lose a lot that way as yeah. well. But we haven't done yet. You got more kids. One more. One more, and that's Lachlan. Lachlan is. Uh, he's coming into his own. He likes. He likes figuring out math stuff. Um, he likes numbers. He likes figuring out how many days until something happens. He's six, so he's not like. He's not uh, fully developed his his thing yet, but so far is he likes playing games on the computer, which he'll do quite a bit of that. But he also loves numbers. We're trying to help him, you know, facilitate his his love for math because it's it hasn't been it's been organic. It's been like he'll come that's to a us natural and, interest he's it having. Is. He's like he'll come in and he'll tell us like this plus this is this. But also, this plus this plus this is that. And we're like, okay. And he'll come and tell us, like, <laughs> so okay. three times five is 15. But also, 
five plus five, uh, you know, like you could just tell like, okay, you're kind of, things are clicking. Like you're getting the, the gist of the real basic math. That's cool. I like He's a that. real boy's boy too. Like energy 10 all the time. Oh yeah. It drives some people crazy, but I find I like the extremes of all the things, right? <laughs> so he's an insane boys boy running around, yelling all the time, always happy to see you, wants to climb all over you. Like, yeah. I love it. And it is a wonderful ball of Very energy. Very scantily clad. Always. Typically just yeah. pants, no shirt. And even in the winter, you're like, dude, you got to put a coat on. <laughs> Don't, you can't, it's five degrees out here. <laughs> Put some shoes on. No. So he is. He's a little wild man. All of them, I think everybody but Lily kind of got that real kind of wild, you know, jumping on stuff, climbing on things. Lily's more like introverted music, art. I think everybody else, even, I mean, Gabe, I think he would, I remember being, he was like two years old and he figured out how to climb up into the top of my freezer. Holy shit. And get the ice cream out and go into his room and eat it. That's a smart move, Gabe. Right. What kind of ice cream was it? It was chocolate. That's a good choice. Yeah. It's a good choice. Like, dude, where'd the ice cream go? And I'm like, don't tell me where the ice cream's at. I'll go eat it. How did you do that? (laughs) A lot of climbers, a lot of activity. I love it. They're going to set the world on fire. Well, I was like your youngest. Uh, I wanted to climb everything. I wanted to go do run and jump everything. Yeah. Can I jump that? Can I climb that? <laughs> How far can I throw that? Can I break this? Can I bend this? Yeah. Can I stick that? With How far can I bend it? Oh, shit. Too far. <laughs> Turns out I broke it. Yeah. That was me. Especially outside. Yeah. Anything I could do outside, I was I was down for. I did a lot of outside. I did, I did a lot of fishing when I was a kid. A lot of street sports, street hockey, football. Me too, I had that energy. Well, they're great kids. I wanted to. I love them. I wanted to mention it that way they could hear their name on the podcast. So, is there anything else you wanted to? It could be anything. I think that does it. All right, folks, go to facebook.com forward slash Big Lake Farm EQ. It'll be in the show notes. You can e- email them at Tomes Property Group. That's T O M E S Property Group at gmail.com. You can call or text 248 686 6837. He's looking for FIPS, flips and rentals, North Oakland County, um, self storage units, got anything like that, and maybe a commercial opportunity on an apartment. Also, probably private money. You probably have enough now, but you never yeah, know. Yeah. You could always get more. So uh, obviously, highly recommended. Um, one of my best friends. Thanks, Tomes. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I'm honored. I, I do have to say, I got to plug. I mean, from I, this is where I started. I started listening pretty much first on was like the Jer. You know, listen to you, listen to the all the guys you've interviewed. I've learned a lot. And I, when you texted me to invite me on, it was time. Really? How can I not really? after the horse farm? I was embarrassed. I was like, stop. I'm Come blushing. on. The horse farm was a <laughs> savage move. When I realized it was a business and you guys forgot to get a business to pay for your dream, I was like, that's fucking smart. That's really smart. Yeah. That's right. not like that. You, there's not like a test with IQ. I sometimes wonder about like there's multiple levels of smart, right? Yeah. I don't know if that one fits on the IQ I, test, but it should be. It should be, it should be there. I have never been called 
overly intelligent. I've got a good balance of like I'm just smart enough and just able enough to like okay, like put things together. We're gonna call it, we're gonna go with instinct. You, you've, got, instinct. you've got some good instincts yeah. on on that stuff. A little bit so. of luck, a little bit of instinct, a little bit of hard work. It works out in yeah. the middle, right? Yep. Sometimes. So so go check them out, folks. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I think you'll enjoy them as well. I do. Um, horse stuff, too. If you need some horses boarded or tra- horse training or people training, they're kind of full now, but people come and go. Get on the waiting list. Do you want to you know, teach your kids how to ride horses? Well, guess what? Diana can do that. Need some uh, horse storage. What do we call it? Boring? Not storage. <laughs> I need to get the flyer beforehand before I start selling it, right? <laughs> We've got the greatest horse storage you ever saw. We stack them deep. No, just kidding. They even have an indoor – you have to see this arena. It is enormous indoor horse arena. It's amazing. So they don't even have to be cold. In the winter, they can run around and do stuff in there and get yeah. a little break. And, yeah. Yeah. Multiple horse pastures. It's horse heaven. So if that's something you're interested in, you should definitely reach out to as well and get hooked up. Um, do you want to take a moment, by the way, folks, I got some strong goals for 2019. I'm on my own renegade realty group, hired a new TC, Kelly crutch. Um, things are going well, not perfect, but well, and I think we're getting better all the time. So if you're looking to list and sell something at top dollar, 313-600-2133. If you're interested in any of the local meetups that we have, RenegadeDetroit.com, meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors, or Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. You can also give me a call 313-600-2133 or text me. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I think we beat that to death on this podcast, but I'm never going to stop. It's not dead enough for me. It's never dead enough for me. Stop feeling sorry for your fucking ass. Stop being a piece of shit. Stop being the worker that the boss doesn't want. Stop expecting things from people when you're not doing anything for it. Why the fuck should anybody give anything to you or hire you for anything? The great benefit to that start is it's all up. It's all up. Pick something. One goal. Don't care how small it is. Do it every day. Don't give up. Till the next podcast. Till the next meeting. Crush it.